What's up, everybody? You're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh, and today we're going back in time through our podcast archives. We've got a special treat for all you MCU fanatics out there. You may have listened to our recent in-depth interview of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but we thought it was time to revisit where it all began. We put together a double feature episode where we deep-dived into the heart of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Volume 2. Whether you're a longtime listener or you've just discovered the show, we are glad you're here. You can find out more about us at SoManySequels.com. We've got links to all of our social media channels there, as well as a whole archive of all of our episodes. You don't have to wait for a double feature. You can go back and listen to those whenever you want. So please go do that at SoManySequels.com. But now, you can sit back, relax, let us take you on a journey through Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2. So right after this, Chris Pratt became a huge movie star. I mean, he did this, and then Jurassic World, and all that, that fun stuff. Well, yeah, within the same year, he did um, the Lego movie. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the same year as 2014. So, like, this happens every <clears throat> now and again. You'll see, like, somebody do, basically just blow up and have, like, two or three movies all in one year that are, like, all, like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I wish I could think of another good example, but sometimes you see that. You see, like, somebody just have a huge explosion. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, everybody's it person. So, like, Chris Pratt's in, you know, the Lego movie. And Guardians of the Galaxy, and then he hits it big with like Jurassic World, you know, and he's doing like he hit it big with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think there's hitting it big in. I think you can hit it big in different ways because that was his breakout. Being, but I being, think you have to do more than that to then prove. Yeah, because I think Jurassic World kind of helped prove that he is a box office draw. Um, because Guardians of the Galaxy was really big, but you got to you do it twice. Basically, sure. it's kind of the thing is like. You know, it's easy to win. But then you got to go, okay, stay on top. is it Chris Pratt or is it the Jurassic franchise? I think it's, it's, a, little seller, it's, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Definitely. I think, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, you can look at some of the other things he has done since those movies and say, uh, you know, like, uh, what's what has he done that hasn't had, like, uh, an IP behind it? You know, he did Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence. I did not do very it. well. And it... I did kind of. Sorry, excuse me. That's the thing. He still has a lot to prove, and no one wants to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has so. not really proven himself to be a big of a, a, someone who can carry something on his own. Yeah. Well, but he is a, a draw. Yeah, yeah. Without without some kind of IP backing right. him. He's up. no. We'll see how it works. He's no know? peak Will Smith. But then, but then, even like you know, even Lego Movie Two did not do very well. No, that's no. true. It did okay. Not but well, even though. even uh, I mean, but you can say that about a lot of people, you know. Um, you know, Chris Evans, outside of the Captain America movies, hasn't necessarily had that much success. Well, for him, you could that. argue he hasn't really tried. He hasn't sure. done. He had, he's done indie stuff really outside of Marvel. Yeah. Knives but Out's coming out. It's going to be good. That's true. That's I think Knives be. Out, but that's such a stacked cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a big ensemble. There's so there Chris are some movies. Evans Knives vehicle. Out is one of them where I like. I wanted. I want to do an episode on it, even if it's not a sequel. I, oh yeah, yeah. It just looks so good and fun. I want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, but this is about Guardians of the Galaxy, so I'll not do. Yeah, that yeah. Let's. Right now. Uh... Um, but I also wanted to mention Zoe Saldana, oh, who yeah. is um, great in this film. First of all, but she also really brought a lot of star power to Guardians because she, 
I think kind of went under the radar for certain people. She is Uhura in this in the rebooted Star Trek. Mm-hmm. There had been two of them by the time uh, Guardians came out. Yep. She yeah. was also in at the time the highest grossing movie of all time, Avatar. Right. Yeah. So she brought a lot to this franchise. Yeah, and she is severely underrated in every appearance the Guardians make. People always want to talk about Drax. They want to talk about Chris Pratt, and then they want to talk about, you know, the raccoon in the tree is how they always put it. But Zoe Saldana is a very solid performer in these, and she kind of has to play straight man, which might be why she's so under o- overlooked. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Was she also in Pirates of the Caribbean? She was. Okay. She was in the right. very first one. Yeah. Just the first one? Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't. I didn't remember that. She was, um, um, she was a lot younger than at that point. Yeah, she was a. Uh, she was. I mean, she was one of the pirates on the Black Pearl. Yeah, she's Anna Maria. She. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah she actually has a fairly prominent role in that. Not like a, you know, starring role, but prominent. <laughs> she has lines with. She's. She's. She interacts with uh, Johnny Depp. So it's been so many years since I've seen this. Me too. Yeah, I don't know if she just gets, kind of like. If people like just expect her to be good, or why they don't talk about Gamora more often. They kind of do now, but at the time, because she, yeah, she does do a lot. She doesn't she, really have much personality in this movie true. compared to the other ones. Like Star Lord is a sarcastic asshole, so is Rocket, but he also likes to make things explode. Yeah. Uh, Drax was a breakout performer for Dave Bautista because of how serious and deadpan that he was, and his mm-hmm. lines were so deliverably good and then, that it knocked everybody out of their seat. And, and then, then, uh, then Groot's just so unusual right. a character that he kind of stands out. Yeah, that she just kind of fades into she, the fifth position, which yeah, is not she, fair, but she's pretty good. She's really, and she is, like like I said, really playing straight man to all these different wild personalities. She's the, she's the, she's the dad, or the, she's the mom of the group. She's yeah. like the, hey guys, we have work to do. Can you guys focus for a minute and stop being idiots? That's yeah. like that's basically one of her roles um, in the this movie. No. So it can be uh, a re- it might be an element. You know, I mean, I don't want to really uh, dive too deep into this. There's obviously the discussion about you know she is the only woman on the team. Um, obviously, we have Nebula in this film, who I think is also kind of underrated in her performance as a uh, evil as a bad guy, and how that develops over the series. I don't know, I, I, but I think that Zoe's great. Um, she has talked about in the past how she really loves doing sci-fi. That's one of the reasons that she signed on for this. She likes she wanted to work with James Gunn, and she likes sci-fi because in sci-fi movies, she can be basically a cool character, whereas in normal, like if, if she wanted to be in a drama, she's basically kind of consigned to playing the wife or the girlfriend. But in... Mm. Sci-fi movies, she can be the leader of an alien, ra- you know, like the the, the lead uh, leader of an alien race, or she can be an incredible assassin, or she can be, um, uh, she can be Lieutenant Uhura, and, you know, and be kind of like this representation for so many kids who are going to go see that movie. And um, so I, I I love seeing her in everything she's ever been in. She seems to be really well accustomed to science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, good for her. Yeah, I like it. Um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so another, oh, one one thing we're well, okay. Oh, go ahead. Are I'm we sorry. done with Zoe? No, go ahead. Oh, okay, I, I was gonna switch topics a little bit to kind of. We talked about how this is a risk at the time for Marvel and Disney. Did anyone at the table? I'm gonna use this for lack of a better term. I don't think it's probably this extreme. But did anyone think? Oh, this is gonna flop. Because I don't think anyone truly expects a Marvel film to flop, 
But there have been Marvel releases where you're like, oh, is this going to be where we lose people? Well, that's, yeah. That's mainly in the, that's, that's also mainly in the sequels, too. But, yeah, when, when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy, that was I – think, I think whenever I first heard about it, I'm like, well, I've never heard of this. Mm-hmm. And I – it didn't – I mean, it didn't really dawn on me that it was a that it was going to be a Marvel film because I don't at that time I didn't really pay that much attention to Marvel films in general. Right, sure. Well, you think X Men are Marvel films? Well, that was a long time ago. No, you still do that. Yeah, well, still let's do. not pretend you don't. <laughs> they will be soon. They aren't uh, now. I guess. Well, so here's the thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. That this is the first. So they had Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two. They had Iron Man. Iron Man Two. Mm-hmm. Incredible. The Hulk. Avengers. Yeah. The Incredible Hulk. Captain America. Thor. Another Captain America, another Thor, Iron Man 3. So Guardians of the Galaxy, realistically, was the first one that was not some form of sequel involving the original four. And I would argue that Iron Man established himself pretty quickly and was well-known. Incredible Hulk, while the movie did not establish itself, also a well-known character. Mm -hmm. Thor, pretty well-known character. Captain America, very well-known character. Like all Those four that set the table were the the well-known ones. Guardians was the first one. That was again not a sequel, and a st- and a bunch of characters that no one had heard of that were not right. like deep hardcore Marvel comic fans. That about. wasn't even going to take place on Earth, right? Yeah, so right, the most different thing they could do. This is this, in my opinion, was the first movie in uh, five years where there was a risk attached to it. Even yeah. with the Marvel name, it was like, man, they really are trying. It was something. really yeah. a test of their branding. I don't really remember. Being concerned about it because I like Chris Pratt. I love James Gunn. Um, I was a wrestling fan, so I was like Batista. Yeah, he gonna act? That's weird. But I'm I'm down. So I was not too put off. But there certainly was like a oh, this could go either way, right? And you know, on the James Gunn note, he had never directed a major film before this. He'd only fully directed two movies. Mm. One of them was Slither, which I love, Nathan Fillion. But is not a hit. No. And the other one was Super, which was like a dark superhero film starring Ring Wilson, I believe. Yeah. And which I was know. also not yeah, a hit. Yeah, that's it. So this is – I can't remember who all directed the first films that came out. Oh, right, but, right. But picking out James Gunn in itself was risky and the future would <laughs> make that come to fruition. But the, the he's al- not – he was unproven. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, now he's like a hot commodity. Yeah, at this point. Um, who directed the Avengers? Josh, Josh Whedon. Whedon. Okay, at that time he had never really directed a feature film as well. Correct. He at least had street cred from his television shows, though. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a well known commodity. Had he not mm-hmm. made Serenity by this point? No, no he had. No, he'd made Serenity, but that was also yeah. not. By the well, time yeah. Avengers came out, Serenity. Oh, oh goodness. Oh, yes. oh, I'm sorry. But Serenity was not a not, not a big hit either. Obviously, not the budget that he got it was on a niche movie. An Avengers. No, yeah, you're looking at John Favreau, Kenneth Branagh, John uh, Favreau, Joe Johnston, uh, established director. Yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is a very established director. Yes. Joe Johnston, uh, who directed First Avenger, he's an established director. But honestly, I don't know if he was necessarily like a. A well-desired director at that point in his career, um, and then Louis Leterrier was kind of a riskier guy. He directed The Incredible Hulk. He's a French director, and I think they liked working with him, but it, it didn't, you know, turn out to be more. Um, and then, yeah, James Gunn is sort of a big, sort of an unknown, and now, uh, you know, but for something. And this is why I have hope for Kevin Feige and his supposed role with Star Wars. This is a guy who. 
he and his team, whoever he has around him, they can really suss out potential and really suss out talent because whether it's uh, the performers or the directors or writers or people working as a crew, like they just find people who are like just sitting there waiting to be turned into huge stars, you know? Um, I'm really, I mean, James Gunn, I'm obviously excited to see uh, his take on Suicide Squad and I'm excited to see uh, Guardians Volume 3. But what I'm really excited about is for James Gunn to do something original again yes. after this. Like, now that he's made a name for himself, somebody will go, we just want a James Gunn movie. Like, do whatever you want to do because now your name has your name has credit to it. It's like Chris Nolan now. Like, Chris Nolan, people just want to see, like, oh, let yeah. Chris Nolan do whatever he wants now. Hopefully he can write that Star Wars shit because um, the people currently at Lucasfilm can't seem to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson are the only Star Wars directors who weren't fired from the film. Mm-hmm. The well, other ones have had multiple directors before they settled on... Yeah, it's been a bit of a thing. I, Solo fired um, the Lego movie guys. Like Phil, Phil Lord. and Chris Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Colin Trevorrow was fired from episode nine. Yeah, which I found interesting because he seemed to have a pretty good success. He was the one who directed uh, Jurassic World. Seemed like kind of a hot <laughs> pick at that point mm-hmm. and, to like continue the thing on yeah, for some reason. And now they that fired, fell apart. Or the Game of Thrones guys have left yeah. the Star Wars project. Oh, no, so. not the Game of Thrones guys. Oh, so sad. <laughs> Um, going back, to, <laughs> yeah. going back to I hope Mikey can fix it. Yeah. yeah, going back to James Gunn though, I I think that he is perfectly f- fine. I don't want to speak for James Gunn. I don't know James Gunn. I wish I did. I met his brother once. That was cool. You guys were there. Yeah, Sean Gunn. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Gilmore Girls. Which was Gilmore year, Girls. Yeah, which was a year ago. This month. Day. Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we. Uh, he he is a nerdy guy. Like a lot of this, again, a lot of the stuff that he's done is very sci-fi, uh, superhero-y. And I think that this is kind of his niche because he can, take, he can take those Two weird things. things. Well, yeah, but he can still take those weird things and make it, make it his own. Like, ha- have have you guys seen Slither? I know you haven't. No, no. I'm not seeing Slither. Oh my God. I'm the only one that's seen Slither. We won't have to change that. Slither is a premise I that tried. is so stupid that it's amazing. Like it is equal parts. Like it's kind of creepy. It's not scary, but it's creepy. It's so weird. Okay, but the action is very exciting and the story is very good. It's and it's got great people. It's got Michael Rooker, Elizabeth Banks, Nathan Fillion, and it's these alien worms that come down and they're basically trying to take over. And the things that they do in this movie, it's basically it's almost like satire, but like in its own right, a horror movie. Right, and it's just so weird. But he takes it and he gives it that charm, and it's 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 one of my favorite movies as far as like a horror genre movie. And so him being a, in his element with Guardians of the Galaxy in this, it's it's I can see so many things. It's so random and it's so odd and being able to make it come together and make it work. And that's why I think that he was picked up for the Suicide Squad is he's able to take those ensembles, give each person their own thing to do, but bring them together. And I think it's because him as a director seems like he's a very good collaborator and knows how to work well with the people yeah. that he's working with. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... Yeah, you'd mentioned that he got picked up for Suicide Squad. For anyone who doesn't know, he's directing Suicide Squad for DC. They're going to reboot that. But I do. I think I think Suicide Squad makes more sense for his background than something like Guardians, mm-hmm. just because of that. Um, he's got a lot of background in horror mm-hmm. and that type of thing. I mean, this is a guy who wrote Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. He also wrote Scooby Doo, yeah. which is like family horror, but there's a scary element to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's then strange. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. You know. It had real ghosts. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, it's it'll be cool to see him do um, uh, Suicide Squad, which is kind of the mirror universe Guardians of the Galaxy right. in a in a really v- v- shallow way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Guardians, yeah. but better guys. Yeah, yeah, it's at its at its at its like lowest way you or maybe like at its simplest way you could describe it. They are very similar, basically. Um, and I want to before I, uh, you can actually spot the slither slither worms in uh, the collector's collection. Oh, really? Notice this? No, I've never noticed. Yeah, look in the background uh, when they're talking. If you look in the background, you can see the slitherworms in one of his containers. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's a cool little uh, little Easter egg. Um, But uh, yeah, talking about the guardians themselves or the characters, it is an obscure place to go. We talked about how this is a big risk. You know, this is kind of like if if some if like Thor hadn't worked, we probably wouldn't have ever gotten guardians um, because it's just really kind of out there. And yeah, Thor sent us to space this, for the first time. Yeah. Even, well, and even for, you got a big ass tree and a talking ra- raccoon, like that's a yeah. hard thing to sell for some people. It is, people. it is, and especially it would have been really if like they hadn't bought in to like okay, gods and stuff, like you know, mystical things. But the uh, what I wanted to say was that the fascinating thing is like this team of that we have in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even like okay, yeah, you're 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 a comic book fan, you know, you've heard of this team. But this specific grouping has never was never a team in the comics yeah. prior to this movie. Like it would be a thing of like, well, Star Lord and Gamora are on the team, but Drax and Groot and Rocket aren't, or Rocket and Groot are on this team, but you know nobody you know, nobody else is on it from the same group. So they really picked out the characters that I think they had the most appeal, and really kind of I don't know they made it work. It yeah. really they really tested. The Marvel branding and this movie did, and I, I did not expect it to be a big hit. But after they think the first trailer, I was kind of like swayed because I kind of thought, oh, because I, I thought, wow, this is actually people are actually starting to talk about this now mm-hmm. because they come on that first trailer. I feel like you guys, it, it, I feel like it's one of the best trailers that's been released in a long time. That hooked on a feeling trailer where you're watching this stuff happen and you're like, okay, this is weird, and they hit that I'm hooked on a feeling. You're like, you're like, oh my gosh, they're going really weird with this. And it was almost becomes too interesting to not go see because like, okay, how weird is this going to be? They're going to have seventies music mixed in with aliens and stuff. Like, how does that work? And it works brilliantly. We yeah. should, we need to talk about the music here in a minute. Andrew. Well, what I was going to touch base on, I was actually going to move into that because like I had actually, I had actually not seen any promotion for this movie whatsoever. I How went, do you live in this world? <laughs> How do you avoid like the Marvel promotional train? I I have because I don't. I will not believe you if you say you were trying to at the time. I I honestly just at that point I really didn't care about Guardians of the Galaxy, but I saw that it kind of became a little bit of a hit, and it was gaining momentum. And I went one weekend to go see it, and one of the things that I absolutely loved about it was the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack is, by leaps and bounds, my like one of my favorite things about this movie. It is a great soundtrack. The The songs to it are absolutely infectious. And mm-hmm. it made them... It's, it's just like Pulp Fiction. It made those songs a hit again. Yeah. It, it, and, yeah. Yeah, the idea behind the music in the movie for The Uninitiated is that uh, Star-Lord is an Earthling who was abducted as a child... And had with him a Walkman and a, and a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. And so that's why these songs are from that period mm-hmm. is it's the only Earth music he knows. 
So yeah, we get hooked on a feeling. We get um, come and get your love. Come and get, come your, and get your love. love. We get red. Redbone, or is that the yeah? That's Redbone. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's how we get you. Yeah, um, and then get, uh, Cherry Bomb. Uh, Cherry Bomb. I want you back by yeah. the Jackson Five. Like, uh, there's a ton of old yeah. songs on there that are great. Um, Ain't No Valley. Uh, what's that called? Ain't No, no Mountain High Enough. Yeah, and you're right. They do make those songs kind of hit a hit again. But what I what I think is cool about it is it by choosing songs that were already timeless, it almost makes the movie timeless. Yes. Yes. Like it it avoids the. Um, risk of becoming dated at one point mm-hmm. if you were to use popular songs of 2014 that may not live on mm-hmm. for 10 years they chose songs that have stood the test of time for so long yeah. it makes it that much more enjoyable and he does it in a way where it doesn't feel like a gimmick mm-hmm. no. some movies use a soundtrack to the point where it feels gimmicky yeah this is not one of them no this does i mean I, as far as i know i think james has said this or kevin said this this is that's it was that element when he brought it to the table that is why they went with him because this is somebody coming in and not just giving them the same thing that they've already heard this is like hey I have this special idea too to give this a per, like a connection to humanity is this is music which is something that is for the most part a universal concept it, you'd be, music. you'd have you would struggle to find a place in the country that doesn't enjoy music and uh, and making that Peter's tie to his humanity more or less uh, makes you feel makes you relate to him helps you relate to him um, and the fact that it's all you know music from when he was a kid you know like really like you know in, that's kind of the reason in the universe why it's not any newer is because he was abducted when he was t- like twelve or ten so like he wouldn't have any new music and it just works and. You get into it, it, and it's also perfectly selected. Um, Gunn said that he chose music from the '60s and '70s because they were like really, they were cultural reference points for him, and uh, he tried his best to strike a balance throughout the entire movie. Sure, um, he said some of them he pick, he said he picked he went to the Billboard charts and just picked all the tops from like every year of the '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. and then would listen to them in his home and think while he was writing. And he would some scenes he wrote directly for songs. Some songs he would get it would inspire scenes, and you know, and sometimes he would come across something that he thought was like, oh yeah, definitely have to have this in, and then it just didn't work for whatever reason. Um, and it is this movie's. It's what makes this series stand out amongst mm-hmm. the others. You know, like yeah. every one of these kind of has their own element. Whether it's, you know, I think Iron Man stands out just because of the. The star power of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I think that the Captain Americas kind of stand out because they've really gone hardcore into like the action mm-hmm. element. You know, Thor stands out because it's really weird, but this has that musical component that just makes people love it. Well, in watching this movie again, I don't necessarily, and this might be controversial, I don't necessarily know if the movie on its own has the staying power as some of the other Marvel movies because watching it again, like, Ronan sucks. I'm going to say it. Ronan a, is an awful, stupid, terrible we, villain. I believe we talked during our Avengers series that Marvel has a history of very poor villains. Yeah, he was yeah, just awful. Um, the movie itself is fun. It, it's like the characters are good. Yeah. But like watching it, I just kind of go through the motions and like I wasn't as enthralled as I was. But the soundtrack still gets me. Slaps. I, yeah, it slaps I, right now. And then it's it just like say, that's the thing that I connect yeah. to. The most. It's like mm-hmm. the movie is okay. 
the soundtrack is fantastic, yeah. and the way that they work together makes it an above-average movie. But if the soundtrack were not as big of a part of this movie, I think that it would just be a, an average-ish yeah. Marvel movie. Which is exactly what I mean. Like that's why they they probably heard the same. Oops, excuse me. They probably heard the same <laughs> pitch for making this movie a hundred times from a bunch of different directors. Yeah. And this guy comes in and says, "I have this this special idea." For using music and using the and because because the thing is the Walkman is not a thing in the comics like Star Lord has no Walkman sure. that's and and Star Lord's character is somewhat different in the comics most of these characters are actually very different than how they are in the comics James kind of put his own style in this all all, all over so like this is a guy who came in with a different thing and yes it will I think have a certain element of longevity just because of that unique that uniquity mm-hmm. and how. So many things I feel like have tried to emulate that uh, kind of thing since. Um, but, yeah, all the main characters are energetic. You're absolutely right. Ronan is like a really unbalanced character yeah. because he's motivationally very one-dimensional. But he's like super overpowered physically. Like he just like tanks a big, you know, like cannon shot right to the chest. Mm-hmm. Just gets up fine. Ship crashes. They're all fine. Well, he has a power they, stone at that you know, point. Groot, yeah, but Groot saves them all, you know, and they crash in that ship. He just walks away. Nothing. I didn't need no protection. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's got the power stone, you could say, but, like, at what, at, you know, at what juncture is, like, this guy supposed to be beatable? And he, like, uh, even before he has the power stone, I think, he just, like, walks through Drax like it's no problem. Yeah. And it's like, Drax is supposed to be this big bad guy, or this big uh, tough guy, and he wants to kill Thanos, and he gets owned by Ronan. Like, I don't really think Drax is going to beat Thanos. Yeah, which sucks. That's like his old driving motivator, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, you... driving motivation, I should say. I want to piggyback off the what what you were saying about your your controversial take on it being just an okay movie. I guess I also I've seen the movie several times, mm. and wa- rewatching it for this, I also found myself struggling to even think of how I would explain this. I do love this movie. Mm. I was also bored watching it. Well, as you've seen it and a I, lot. And it's because I've seen it a lot. But there are other movies in this universe that do not bore me upon rewatches. And this is one of them that does. And I don't know why it is. I think it's because there are – I don't know. It's it's kind of run-of-the-mill when you break it down. Mm-hmm. Like I don't attach to any of the characters as much as I would to, say, uh, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man has moments throughout – Iron Man 1, because mm. let's be real, Iron Man 2 and 3 are also kind of boring on rewatch. But Iron Man has these moments where you he's down and you root for him and you want him to do good and then you have this exciting ending and all this stuff and Guardians lacked that for me, I think. Well, Guardians felt, I think, a little bit too formulaic in that aspect. Yeah. Building it, to its things. But I mean... For being so risky, it is formulaic at the end of the day. It's, uh, yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's, I'll be honest, I'm going to own up to something here. Uh-oh. I did not rewatch it for this podcast. <gasps> I ran, used to be Andrew's mo. I ran. Out, I, I sort of ran out of time. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. And like right. last You're night, right. it was like nine o'clock at night, and I was like, I need to watch Guardians, but I'm really tired. And I want to go to bed. I thought I have watched Guardians of the Galaxy probably thirty times since it's come out. I was gonna say you're the you know? only one who I would probably really trust to not watch it and still be able to talk about it too long. Oh yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a curse and a gift, but. <laughs> He's um, a monk. <laughs> you know, it's 
so because and the thing goes is like I know what I was kind of like I've seen it I know what I'm gonna get yeah it's yeah, sort of the it's sort of it's sort of the difficulty when we're doing this show with something that it with these franchises that are uber popular and that we are real really big fans of because I love Guardians I, I think it's very driven by the characters obviously like it's it's not so much like the plot is. the plot it isn't is. groundbreaking I mean it's it's elements of Dirty Dozen and it's or the Dirty Dozen and it's elements of you know a, a kind of run of the mill superhero film. Mm-hmm. With a, with a kind of, unfortunately, underdeveloped villain. But it's it has a cool factor, and it had a cool factor when it first came out, of feeling like, hey, this is a sci-fi movie, a superhero movie, that's doing something kind of different. Yeah. That's kind of, it, it was a refresh for superhero movies. And I think if, I think if Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't happen, I said, I said if Thor wasn't as moderately successful as it was, we wouldn't get Guardians. If Guardians of the Galaxy was not as successful as it was, I don't think we ever get Deadpool. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, I don't know about it. I don't know. Because I, was, I, don't know about I would say as funny as Iron Man, as the you Iron Man series think... has been, and as funny as some of the other ones were, Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the one you could probably call the first true comedy that they did too. Because it's, it, you know, you guys talk about being bored, but it is, it, ha- it is funny. And the first time we watched it, it was really funny. You're laughing out loud in the theater. Yeah, but Deadpool, Deadpool had to have been in development by the time Guardians yeah, came out. Yeah, it, and it was de- in development and got canned. I well, mean, that's true. But what, I mean, what even what like also, the version that got made, surely what also was in development. I mean, another element of what got that made was somebody leaking a test footage that's of true. that. But I think that there's no desire to try to make that movie if another superhero comedy hadn't happened. It's the same reason that you know if Deadpool. Uh, what, what, what one? I'm trying to think which came first. You know, I think Deadpool came out in 2016. I'm trying to think of which yeah. one. Did. Yeah, it came out. It came out okay, so Deadpool and, came out before. And this came out in 2014. So Deadpool came out before Logan. You know, and it's the yeah. success of Deadpool as an R-rated film that made them want to make Logan. So, like, the impact is there. It definitely had an impact on creating, I, I think, expanding the superhero genre to be more than just, you know, big guys beating up other guys or guys in suits and stuff like that. It was, like, it was funny, and it was fresh, and it used music, and it had... Uh, it had its own style to it. And yes, it is a little rote after you've seen it several times, but I still think that if you showed this to a 12-year-old kid and they've never seen it before, they're going to walk away. This is going to be like their favorite movie they've ever watched. Yeah. I agree, and that's why I said I struggled with how to explain it because I would recommend it to anyone, and I do think it's very good, and I will give it a high score. But I was bored on the rewatch. Um, if I can say anything about the characters, I feel like I, I feel like the, the coolness factor, what I – what I took away most from this was that, like, this was it was more. This was probably like one of the one of the few comic book movies, one of the few comic book movies that actually felt like you were watching a comic book come to life. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. like, because like most most of the MCU, it's very colorful too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very well designed. Most of the most of the MCU uh, takes place on Earth, mm-hmm. and it, we we discussed that just just a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. This doesn't, and I mm-hmm. think what I liked about it is the science fiction aspect mm-hmm. and how it, how you are, kind of thrust into this world that nobody really knows. As far as character development is concerned, I feel like there's not a lot of character development, and and this this goes for everybody. I mean, like because we know we know more about Star Lord really than anybody else. We're starting to learn about. Gam- is it Gamora? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I I just had to ask. Welcome to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's been out for five years. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> we we know about we know about 
you know, little inklings of characters, but we don't really get into it. I think what really sells it is A, the music, mm-hmm. B, the humor, and C, the Marvel factor. Right. The fact that yeah. Marvel has its name on it. I disagree with you about the character development to an extent. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen this movie as many times as you all. I've seen it quite a bit, but like me watching it, I was still bored. But as far as the character <laughs> development, each person has you, – you learn a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to kill everybody to start mm-hmm. with. You learn about Star-Lord and his mom. That's how things kick off, and then he gets abducted. You learn that Drax had a family and that they were all murdered and killed and that he is on nothing but a vengeance thing and wants nothing to do with anyone. You learn that Gamora is part of Thanos and Ronan's group, but then she betrays them but still doesn't trust anybody. And you don't really learn anything about Groot other than he's a big tree. You learn that Rocket is a science experiment gone wrong and that people make fun of him all the time and that he really struggles with it whenever he has that breakdown. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, where they continue to not trust each other, they grow and become able to trust on one another and consider each other friends. So I think it's basic character development, but there is character development, and you get enough about each person to understand their background. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, when they all hold hands in our solidarity, I mean, that's a big thing for them. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's more character establishment. Is kind of yeah, what this film is more about. Key. Is that this this film really establishes who these people are for an audience who has no idea who they are, and you get more development in mm-hmm. uh, in volume two, I mean, which yeah, we'll talk I about was, next I week. I yeah. was just gonna say that next week there this volume two is like almost too heavy on development. Yeah, because um, it's yeah, yeah we'll talk about it. But yeah, yeah. so um, does anyone? <sighs> Anything else to add to this discussion before we kind of transition to toward the end? I have a weird thing with Groot. I I remember a long time ago Mm -hmm. I saw like a BuzzFeed article or something about trees. And it was this – a bunch of weird pictures of trees growing around things, Mm -hmm. like growing around a bench, like Mm -hmm. growing around a street side. And it really weirded me out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I can't explain it. It's just one of those like weird things that you have. Trees don't give a damn about humans. No. No. And so – They will be here long after we're gone. Yes. But like any time that Groot was shown like branching out, it really weirded me (laughs) out. It gave me that feeling of watching those trees form around those and it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I don't know if that might just be a me thing and I'm sure it is but like just watching it just whenever he had all those like weird little branches I was like it made my skin crawl. So you really would have just died inside his little tree cocoon. I would have been like listen I'm just going to stand out here bro like I appreciate what you're doing I'm, just, it's not, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm just going to die. Gonna die. Yeah, I'll be it's okay. I'll be outside okay. the ball. Okay. Hey, Rona, can I hide under you? Yeah, just smash <laughs> vulnerable. Just smash me with a hammer, bro. Show him what you can do. And then, I, yeah. I like Groot. I uh, think who can't? Who, it, you can't. Hate Groot? You can't hate Groot. I do think kind of like though the reaction to him is a little overhyped. No, like, I mean, I, he's, but I, he's I, like he doesn't do. I get. Yeah. Well, that's. The, I think that's part of the point. Is like Groot is clearly like an innocent soul, right? You know, and he's like, like that's when you're very, when the dog is your favorite. Character. Exactly, and that he's he's so and, and because his dialogue is just I am Groot. He becomes uh, – that's easily translatable across every culture that's going to watch this movie. And so, like, they are all – like, there's no there's no cultural divide for Groot. You know what I mean? Like, the Japanese love him just as much as, uh, you know, the British, the Spanish, who you know, then the Americans. Like, he's just an innocent soul, whether he's big old Groot, little baby Groot, or teen Groot. Like, he's – and and the funny thing is, like, I feel like to an extent, after you watch the movie enough or after you've been watching, you know, his growth through the MCU, 
you kind of feel like you know what he's saying, even though he's just saying, I am Groot. You kind of watch him go like, oh, yeah, I know what Groot just said there. Yeah. Yeah. But So um, I believe this movie came out in late summer, mm-hmm. 2014. So, yeah. So why don't you hit us with well, some hey, numbers? Hang on. Oh, I got oh. one one more thing. Before, well, this is one F. more thing. This is one more. This is, this is quick. <laughs> trying on. to right. wrap him up. I put it out here. I put it out here. I put it out here. We wanted we wanted stuff from the audience. So we got some one words. They've called it innovative. Marvel S. Galactic. Uh, we I put it out on Reddit. What do they think over there? I uh, got some interesting answers here. We'll have to talk about one of these next week for volume two. But uh, I got the word fun. They think it's fun. Uh, one person called it juvenile. They're juvenile. not wrong. They're not wrong, but I just don't know that it's a bad thing. Uh, no. But the most part, for they their, do it tastefully. For the most part, their success. That was um, pro- honestly that commenter was probably Martin Scorsese. <laughs> 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 yeah, not cinema is what it. Not cinema. Uh, uh, UV three thousand on Twitter said, "I believe the reason it was successful is because James Gunn and the incredible cast." And they put their whole heart into it. I feel like you can see that in the movie. That's more than one word. Uh, well, that's <laughs> that was my second question. I asked, why do you think the movie succeeded? Ah, okay. And then my third question was, uh, if you don't like it, why, what kept it from what kept you, that from happening? Um, AC Ace AC on Reddit says, I dislike Guardians of the Galaxy. Ser- I, I dislike the series and the characters because he believes there's horrible horrible representation of women. And he gives an article about Mantis, and we'll talk about that in volume two. Okay. Um, uh, and then, um, people are looking forward to a third one. Um, someone says that he thinks, uh, the reason it succeeded is because it has a really simple message, but it executes it well, which is just about becoming family with people that, you know, you have to be around. So anyway, that's it. I, uh, we're trying to reach out more to the communities out there and get some more input from the audience. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 debuted August 1st, way back in 2014. It finished uh, with a three-day opening of $94.3 million. So in the opening that week was Guardians of the Galaxy. At number two, you had Lucy with $18 million. Number three was Get On Up, uh, starring uh, Chadwick Boseman, I believe, with $13 million. Uh, Hercules, I don't know if this is the rock version or that other version. <laughs> Which one? The, the one with the rock. 2014, it might be the rock version. Yeah. There was another Hercules movie that came out that same year. Mm. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes came out uh, that same weekend. with eight, or It didn't come out that weekend, but uh, made 8.6. Uh, Planes, which is a spinoff of Cars, Ugh. came in at number six. Starring Dane Cook. <laughs> number seven. <laughs> Never a good selling point. At number seven, you have The Purge Anarchy. Number eight, you have Sex Tape. Number nine, and so it goes. And number ten, a most wanted man. So you got two sequels. <laughs> like how you just zoomed past sex tape. Like you just got it out there. Like you were so like. like I, think, I, think, I think everybody zoomed tape. past sex tape. Sex tape. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was not. It was not high performing. It was in its third no. week, and it was already um, down to three million. Sex not tape, high that performing was, uh, sounds like it needs some Cialis. Hey, that was, uh, that was uh, yeah, what not was a sponsor. It was Jason Siegel, right? And uh, yeah. Cameron Diaz. Cameron yeah. Diaz. Oh, Cameron Diaz. Um, <laughs> off two, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, we'll get. To, we'll have to talk about that another day. Um, <laughs> okay. When we do Charlie's Angels. Um, <laughs> uh, two sequels in the pot in the top ten that weekend. Uh, if you don't count Planes, which is a spinoff, which I generally don't count spinoffs as sequels. Um, no. So, Guardian of the Galaxy would go on to finish with around three hundred thirty-three point one million dollars in the United States over its twenty-five week run. Nice. It brought in uh, four hundred seventy-three million from foreign markets. Bring its worldwide total to three to seven hundred seventy million dollars. Uh, movie easily cleared its one hundred seventy million dollar production budget. Um, at three hundred thirty three million dollars, Guardians of the Galaxy is uh, the number three movie of twenty fourteen, behind American Sniper, 
and mm. Hunger Games Mockingjay Part One. Mm. Um, some other see some other big ones in 2014 that you guys may remember were. Uh, Are you still talking? That's taking forever to load. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Think of forever to look. Uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier came out that year. Like we talked about, the Lego Movie, yeah, uh, the Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies, Transformers: Age of Extinction. This movie made more money than Captain America. See? It did. Which uh, the did. first one? Yeah. Mm. No, I'm uh, sorry, Captain Winter, Winter, Winter Soldier. Oh, uh, that yeah. is surprising because that's a that's yeah, a much that. better than the first. Oh yeah, yeah. Than the first Avenger. Yeah, and I, I I might even argue it's better than Guardians of the Galaxy. I would, but uh, as a film, it's better. Yeah, but uh, uh, Guardians just kind of uh, eclipsed it um, domestically. Um, Transformers, Age of Extinction, Maleficent, <laughs> X-Men, Days of Future Past, and uh, rounding out the top ten for that year is Big Hero 6. Yeah, good movie. Um, let me see, back to where I was. Um, so top, so five oops, five sequels in the top ten for 2014. Cool. Um, let's see, oh yeah, we've uh, we've previously been in 2014. We did Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. Oh yeah. Uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill. Oh yeah. yeah. 2014 film. And uh, don't forget about uh, John Wick. Uh, John Wick June. John, John Wick, Wick June. June. The original John Wick. If you want to listen to our John Wick podcast, please go do them. Uh, Preferably in June. Yeah, yeah they were. Uh, John Wick June was a big time here. Big uh, time. It preceded. Uh, big numbers. You want to lie. Big, big, no, big ratings. Work. That doesn't work. <laughs> the um, good to be. <laughs> Guardians. <laughs> Conan got nothing on those John Wick June numbers. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, you, had the 30th highest opening weekend for a non sequel. Um, it was the second highest grossing uh, movie released in August. Um, <laughs> Gross. The, the number one there is, uh, coincidentally, Suicide Squad. Hey! Um, that's upsetting. 39th highest opening for a PG-13 movie, and the 12th highest in the it is the 12th highest grossing movie for the MCU. Um, so, like I um, uh, I kind of mentioned this on Twitter this week, and a lot of people um, responded to it. We were featured in a variety article. Hey, we famous? What? I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> we famous. Yeah, what? I, uh, I we tweeted were featured about in a variety article. Variety. You want to yeah. be a sponsor? Hit variety. Yeah, we'll get you some. Yeah, they numbers. Uh, they quote tweeted us. One of the leading entertainment news organizations. We'll get, we'll get you a nice T-shirt. We're at the very bottom. Go look up Variety's Suck article. Suck another podcast. Go look up Variety's article about box office mojo changing its uh, whole system. I think. It's on our Facebook page. We're at the very bottom. Uh, but, yeah, Box Office Mojo is was one of the main sources I used to do any of these numbers. And uh, I, luckily I did this before they changed uh, some of their stuff. I had already got a bunch Collected of the Marvel that, stuff yeah. already ready because um, I figured we'd do it at some point. Right. But, um, yeah, they've changed so that now uh, Box Office Mojo is basically a, an advertisement for IMDb Pro. A lot of the information that Which I was is gather, an Amazon company. All this is goes to Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, the stuff I used to do, you know, the, the inside baseball stuff, I can't really do as much anymore, and I can't do like for actors and directors and writers and things like that. Which you know, I, I is really kind of a bummer. And I can't do like genre things. So like, I couldn't tell you where this ranks in terms of like sci-fi movies mm-hmm. or where this ranks in terms of Chris Pratt's career. Um, I could if I just went out and looked at each of his individual stuff. But that's going to require even more work, and I didn't. I and I'll, maybe I will, but um, it's going to take a lot longer. So uh, some of these numbers come from a different site called The Numbers, and um, something that The Numbers does that Box Office Mojo doesn't or didn't is a home video performance. So I got that's I, kind of interesting. I'm not going to go into great detail here, but um, Guardians of the Galaxy is estimated to have sold 61 million DVDs, whoa, 80, 85 million Blu-ray oh. um, for a total. The so DVDs are dying. 
is for a total uh, home video uh, sale of $147 million, at least as of September of 2017. I don't know why they don't go past that, but that's, I mean, that's a big life. Do they include $147 million home video sales? Do they include VOD? It does include VOD. That's the thing. They, that, so, you know, so I don't know if I'm going right. to read that set all the time, but it's the first time I've really used the numbers for this you're level just, of you're playing uh, input. with your sandbox. So I looked around. And, uh, and that's really it. You know, okay. it's a really high grossing movie. Everybody yep. likes it. They're making a third one. Who? <laughs> Yep, made a second. Third. Okay, so um, uh, who's doing the tomatoes? You're doing the tomatoes. So um, I will kick things off. We're going to guess the Rotten Tomato score of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm going to guess 91. 91 from Josh. Andrew. I'm going to go with 88. I will Dave. go with 84. 91, 88. 84. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he said it. I thought uh, I got oh, it no, dead no, right. Oh, no, no, no. I was recapping. He oh. got really excited for a minute. I did. Damn. Critics consensus. Yeah, I'm going to lose it. Karma. Guardians of the Galaxy is just as irreverent as fans of the frequently zany Marvel comic would expect, as well as funny, thrilling, full of heart, and packed with visual splendor. That was a long consensus. I don't know what irreverent means, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. Well, use it in the context of other positive words that were in there, and just go. I'm gonna, back. I'm okay. gonna bump mine up to ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go with ninety. Ninety. Uh-huh. I'm gonna move up to eighty eight. Eighty eight. <laughs> eighty eight miles per hour. All that was right. Where I wanted to be to begin with. Ninety four. That's, that's heavy. Dog. Ninety. Eighty eight. One of you is exactly right. Was exactly right. Oh. The critics' consensus or the overall thing is ninety one. Oh, 91. <laughs> Andrew has walked away with a winner. The audience score at 92. They are all connected very close together. Okay. So this is one where the critics and the uh, the audience agree. But you is it cinema? You love to see it. You love to see it. <laughs> but is it cinema? One day we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about that one day. But that day's not today. <laughs> Maybe next week when we're wrapping up an MCU movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now the last thing to do is to give our own ratings. Uh, based on um, five mm. Infinity Stones. I will go with four only because of the fact that I found myself being a little bored with the story but entertained by everything else. Four. I will also go with four because at, t- at moments it is a little formulaic. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Four is a good score. I will go with four and a half. I think it's... Uh, by my definition, it's practically perfect. The one thing really keeping this from being like a perfect movie is, I think, just a really solid villain, mm. and, and that, that that's, that's the whole that's kind of the holdback for me. I would go with four based on everything you all just said. <laughs> cool, <laughs> nice opinion, bro. No, I would. I'm basing it. I'm basing it purely on like this is one of my favorite Marvel movies, right? And it just. Um, there are elements to it that are yet yeah, that yeah could could have used some work, but all in all, it's a fairly it's a fairly memorable movie at least for me. So uh, a solid four won't give it the benefit of giving it four and a half, but solid four. All okay. right. Well, that wraps up our discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. We'll be back next week with Volume Two. Oh, yeah. You can find us Gosh, online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find out where exactly. You can subscribe to our show and look at our back catalog of episodes at so many mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Go to Soundstooth and download their app. Yep. The good guys at Soundstooth. Yes. Um, 
I think that's it. I don't think there's anything else. So, yeah, go find us online. Uh, We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Groot. Hey, everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Garrett. And I'm David. Uh, Today on the show, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the sequel. That's right, folks. It's the sequel. So to set up this sequel, um, I guess you could say it kind of picks up where we left off in that we didn't really leave off anywhere. No. The Guardians Um, were off searching for adventure. Here we open where they have found us. They've discovered one. That's true. So the first thing we get to see, though, is a little flashback of, uh, oh, uh, Santa Claus. Who is he? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. <laughs> Kurt Russell. That's not what you should identify him as. I identify him of as... Of all the movies Kurt Russell's been in, you going to go with the Santa Claus? Yes, because Santa it is one of the movies that we have covered on the show, and oh, you can true. find it at somanysequels.com. What true. a great thing to do now that we're approaching the Christmas season. Oh, yeah, look at true. that. Nice little tease plug. So yeah. do not question me when I call Kurt Russell Santa Claus. Yeah, last year we I watched... Uh, <laughs> you guys watched Home Alone, the Santa Claus, I don't even remember and all, the Christmas yeah. Chronicles, right? All that was a skit show on Nickelodeon at with least, Keenan and Kel and Josh Server and Lori Beth three. There's probably another one. I, I think there's know. a fourth one in Did there. Did you guys do yeah. Home Alone 2? No. Oh. We each, no. I think we all just picked one. We did Love Actually. Oh, we did oh, do Love yeah, Actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great Flim. There you go. Yeah, go check <laughs> great, out the... Great Flim. Great check out the... <laughs> of all the Flims I've ever had, yeah. Love Actually is yeah, the... To all the Flims I've loved before. This is off the rails. What are you going to expect from us? Um... So we get to see Kurt Russell uh, as Star-Lord's father. He comes into big play in this movie. The uh, Guardians are on a new mission, basically. They're collecting batteries, which is something we all do. Yep. Um, they're yeah, trying to protect are, these batteries from yeah. an evil interdimensional creature. The creatures attack them. They get stranded on a planet. And then we're set up for the whole rest of the movie, which is just like Star-Lord's dad ego trying to help fix the ship. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, one word to describe the movie, I guess. I my notes out. You sh- yeah. I don't have a word. Surprise. Wordless. Speechless. Left you speechless, huh? It didn't. Do you have a word, Andrew? <laughs> Average. Ooh, shots fired. Ooh. Uh, David, do you have a word yet? Andrew will be played by. Um, <laughs> my word is heartfelt. Okay, okay, okay. Issues. Hmm. Mm. How maybe y'all maybe maybe I can uh, focus group what I want to say. Mm-hmm. I want a single word that says it's a bit much. It's a bit much. Uh, overstuffed. It's two words. I don't know. I think that would be. I don't think it's a hyphenated inflated. word. What inflated? inflated? Good. <sighs> no, because I don't. Hmm. Here's my example of what's a bit much. Yeah. Baby Groot. The Groot stuff's a bit much. Yeah. Really? It's a little over the top. Mm. Is that a hyphenated word? Over the top? It's a Sylvester Stallone movie from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the sake of the argument, over the top is a hyphenated word, thus being one, and I'm going to call it that uh, just to be a little different. (laughs) I just not got it. (laughs) I don't. I still don't get it. It, it. it is a Sylvester Stallone I, movie. I wasn't. I didn't make that up. It, it, it actually, Why are you explaining it, it what I've already explained? From, it actually is a movie from the 80s that stars Sylvester Stallone. Okay. Right. So, so I'll go, yeah. So as we explain the words, I'll go ahead and say that there – I do like the movie, but there are bits where like 
Baby Groot's dancing in the opening scene mm-hmm. felt like uh, Disney Marvel just trying to like cash in on the popularity of Baby Groot's post credit yeah. scene mm-hmm. in the first one. And I was like, yeah, it's cute, but like, it's yeah. a bit much, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's pretty fun. It is pretty fun, but it's a bit much, isn't it? I mean, the uh, it's an opening credit sequence, which you don't get often in no, movies that's true. these days anyway, opening credit sequences. We get, so. what, what do they play, Mr. Blue Sky? Mr. Yeah. Blue Sky. You got Groot dancing in uh, sort of a, uh, a version of a one-take shot. Yeah. Uh, one flow of his uh, of the motion capture that I'm pretty sure it's James Gunn dancing in this situation. I as Baby Groot. James Gunn does Rocket. I don't know who does Rocket. Uh, Sean Gunn Sean. does Rocket. That's what but I, I think uh, I think they recorded James Gunn dancing. Mm. Could be wrong about this. Or Sean Gunn dancing either way. Huh. And uh, he danced through the entirety of Mr. Blue Sky. They recorded that made, and then motion tracked it to be Groot. You have a scene going on in the background while they're fighting, and you have the and you have the the casting credits and directing and all that, yep. which is something that uh, you don't get a lot in move in in action films these days. Anyway, Marvel for the most part doesn't do opening credits the mm-hmm. same way Star Wars doesn't. Um, they usually just wait for roll the right end. right into the movie. You know, like here we go, bam, here we go, and then in credits you get all that stuff. So uh, as yeah, far as a a, bit much, as far as an opening it? credit sequence, it's not necessarily bad. No, uh, it's a bit much. It's, it's a bit you much. Know, but you're uh, gonna be the lo- you're gonna be on an island by yourself, buddy. You know like, what? You can try to I will you die want. on this hill. You might. So you all might. right. I don't need. I don't Is need it a bit much. I'll say sure. I guess, but it's also fun. <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? Yes, I agree. It's both fun and a bit yeah. much. I mean, I don't know what else to. I don't know what else to to say about it. So I don't need Andrew to explain average. I can figure that out. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you say again? I said issues. He's got issues with the movie. Okay, no, so no, then, no, actually, so then you need to explain what issues means. Everyone has issues in this Oh, movie. yeah. yeah. Literally see, everyone true. has daddy issues, sister issues, family issues, self issues. And yeah, I do have issues with the movie. Yeah. But issues is the best way to describe it up. Okay. For me. Yeah, that's true. It is a very issue-driven movie. Yep. Yeah. Each character, like you said, has their own problems that yeah. we kind of tackle head on. And I feel like that is adjacent to your word, heartfelt. Yeah, because uh, while that is the case, they, all these characters have issues. And we talked about how last week there was a feeling that their characters don't develop enough. You guys talked about that. and I, uh, Andrew we, talked about Andrew, that. We all Andrew, three disagree. <laughs> Andrew talked about it. And we talked about how the film's a little bit more goes forward to establishing characters. And this one really kind of breaks them down and shows you who they are, what their insecurities are, and that there's kind of hidden stories there for each of them that maybe you didn't know, with the exception of maybe Drax, who doesn't really have a lot going on in this movie in terms of, uh, a, you know, like a big backstory that reveals itself. Um, you know, whether it's Star-Lord or Rocket or, or Yondu or Gamora or Nebula, everybody else has really kind of a, a formed story here that you can invest in. And, um, and I really think that it was... Uh, each of those is handled in... I think fairly mature and at times immature ways, but uh, Star Lord, you, you know, you get <laughs> you get some really cool development seeing what these characters' hopes and wants are and seeing how they're when confronted with maybe everything they think they've ever wanted, how they respond to that, and um, and then get some cool action and comedy as you would expect along the way too. Yeah, um, so I wanted I do want to talk about Star Lord since I coughed his name up a little bit there mm-hmm. what i one part i enjoy about this movie and, and his character in it is kind of like i guess it's a negative toward him as a character but it's it's done well so we really get to see 
Peter Quill is kind of an idiot. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. He's really, and we really get to see how his emotions pull him a little too powerfully. Um, you know, he's like the bane of everyone's existence in Infinity War because he single-handedly oh, got yeah, everyone yeah. killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and we get to see that kind of uh, behavior really bubble up to the top in this movie mm-hmm. in the way he interacts with Ego. Is a lot of there's a lot of stupid stuff from yeah. from him. Thoughts? Well, from the peanut gallery. I'll go on my. Well, I guess. Gosh, should, would it be better for me to put in a defense first, or do you guys? Want to <laughs> you right you haven't even you been want. attacked yet. No, well, can, I know. That's why I don't want to. I don't want to defend it, and then you guys just rip it apart afterwards. That's Here's what true. I'll say. I don't have anything to attack about it. Peter Quill, you could argue, is is a Peter Pan type character. He's a character that never grew up and never really had to grow up. He was taken away true. from. As far as he was concerned, a place he didn't necessarily want to be anyway. His mother just died. Yeah, he was gonna have to go live with his grandfather without his without his parents. So he's been raised by wolves. Wolves, essentially. <laughs> yeah, aliens, been raised sure. by alien wolves, by pirates, by people who you know uh, uh, are not the kind of people that are emotionally there for you. So he's grown into being kind of a, a man child. Now, a fairly adept at certain skills, man child, and a you know a guy who's smarter than he looks at times, but yeah, he's not uh, someone who's ever had the type of family that he deep down seems to have always wanted. He makes a, a, a an effort when he first finds out about ego and this idea that he talks to Gamora about how all he wanted as a kid was to have a dad, was to play to play catch with his dad like all his friends got to go do. All his friends got to go and play with, have fun with their dads, and he just had to go home to nothing, you know, to his mom who, you know, was sick. So talking about a character who has a lot of vulnerability and sort of masks that by trying to be the coolest guy he can be, that he can imagine, trying to be the cool dad that he never had. So that plays out in a lot of different ways, and when Ego is introduced into that, it really... Uh, messes with him to the point of like he's kind of a jerk to his friends now because he's being presented with what he thinks he's always wanted. Yeah. Hmm. Rebuttal. 30 second rebuttal. Yeah, rebuttal from <laughs> average over there. What do you have to say? Right. Jerk. <laughs> uh, there's. <clears throat> what was that? What do you mean? I just heard some serious crinkle. Yeah, he's got some... Chris Crinkle? He's got some stuff in his pocket there. His brownie wrapper. Mm -hmm. It's a classy establishment over here. (laughs) You're damn right. So, (laughs) what are we arguing about? Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you hear anything he said? Yes, I did. You were like you were Homer Simpson with the the monkey and the symbols in your head, weren't you? You were thinking about drop shadows, weren't you? Yeah. What were you thinking about? You were thinking about how to line up a turkey with a road, weren't you? I was thinking about spaghetti. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. And if anybody out there is interested in joining the So Many Sequels <laughs> podcast, I believe that we have an opening. Reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. Or it's not pod on that one, is it? I think it is. Oh. I we'll find know. us on Facebook and then you can send us a We're, message. We might be able to work you in. We're yeah. talking about Star Lord and his his man. He's a man child in a lot of ways. And What do you think of his story in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys pretty you much hit it on just, the head. I think I agree with everything. You don't you necessarily said. even have to address anything I said. Mm. Just what, are your, what is your opinion of Star Lord? Because he's kind of the central character. There's a lot of main characters here. Um, what do you think about his story through this movie? His story through this movie, I think. 
Um, he's. <laughs> did you watch the movie? Yes, it's the I main, did. You know, it's the main story he's, of the movie, and he's really, the kid who gets called on in class who wasn't for, reading along. Uh, for uh, this movie, it really drives the oh, the purpose brother. of this movie is what it's about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought take, it was really good. Take a second, Andrew Garrett. What is your issue with Star Lord? Uh, we'll skip him. Yeah, I just don't <laughs> care. I don't know. This listen. You don't care. I don't care about Star Lord. I've decided, oh my goodness! I've come to the conclusion Weird. that after two movies, I genuinely don't care about Star Lord. Why are you after four movies? I like. I mean, I don't <laughs> mind the Guardians movie. overall. I just, I don't know. This movie really. To for me, I didn't mind it the first time I saw it, and this time it was either trying too hard to reignite the magic from the first one, whether it's trying too hard with the dance scene or trying too hard with the soundtrack, or it, it was just really trying too hard to be the first one. Or I get some of that. Or I get some of it that. was super boring for the first hour and a half. The parts where this did shine for me was when it let it be its own self and really leaned into the humanistic elements of this movie. So those issues and letting them develop. I really enjoyed the scene between Star-Lord and Gamora when they were dancing over the planet. Like That was a real humanistic element that they didn't have in the first one. So letting these people develop into those stories, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed but overall, those few shining moments were really overshadowed by it just trying too hard to reignite that magic that mm-hmm. that first one had, instead of being something of its own. All right. And You're I, wrong. And uh, th- Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, like, in trying to, in trying to encapsulate just how much I – just what I think about this movie, I would have to say the reason why I say average is really just because it's average. There's, I mean, there's nothing really pushing anything forward here. We were kind of like when, when in the first movie, we don't know anything about his dad, and now we have this whole backstory. And my thing about Marvel movies is mm-hmm. this: is that as soon as you see a guest star like that, they're automatically the villain. Okay. Oh, that's a fair. That's fair. They're automatically the villain. So, like, Kurt Russell, great to see him in this movie, knew he was a villain from the minute I saw him. Okay. But, you know, you could blame that on almost anything. Mm-hmm. We have a main character, a new character, and then you have a sequel in which a new character is introduced. You could say that on almost any movie. That guy's going to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You could say that from the casting, Yeah, I would think. I think that's what he's saying, though. When he sees a big name like that, it's a dead giveaway. Because Dead giveaway. Because, it, but and, and it was it was a little bit of a... It was a surprise seeing Sylvester Stallone in there for two minutes, but it was nice to see Sylvester Stallone. So a minute, it for, for oh my god! So for a second, it did kind of throw me off there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, cool beans, yeah, cool story. Um, but no, it, it was very average. the The only thing that really like surprised me were the effects. I thought the visual effects were absolutely amazing. Surprised you? Yeah. I think they were. I think they by were this very, time in the Marvel universe, you didn't expect no, 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 no. Special no. I, I meant like Marvel? I just, I just, I was the wow factor for the visual effects were absolutely incredible. Did anybody, I thought that the de aging for Kurt Russell looked a little fake. Like I think, well, it was, you know, like, I know, but like it's better over time. It yeah. does, but and <clears> I guess Ant Man came out after. But like Michael Douglas looked really good. It looked fine, but like if you pay too much attention to it, you could tell that it was like. 
you know, they put a lot of work into that, and it showed. Well, I mean, it's about didn't look as, bad. It's about it as good noticeable. as they can do, you know. I mean, at the, the technology. Well, and we're spoiled now because it did. Yeah. It looked good at the time. Yeah. Now yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But they, I mean, and they they make a point of not putting hard like focusing on it too yeah. much. They don't. They 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 you know they only get a couple of shots uh, where that's really like fully seen and it's good enough that you go, oh wow, that's yeah. actually pretty. Because like I think there are some people that walked out and thought uh, that you know he just like shaved and they dyed his hair and wore a wig or something like that. A lot of people were fooled, and the uh, the funny, th- the interesting thing is they actually ran a database to find like a face match, like somebody who had all the right articulation points yeah. to walk through the scene. Uh, the guy who it is is uh, the main character from the movie Heavyweights. Do you guys remember that movie? Yeah, little chubby movie. kid from Heavyweights. That dude Jerry. grew up. Yeah, that kid grew up jacked. You gotta look He's him up the guy TV whose face perfectly matched Kurt Russell's enough yes. to be the stand-in. To be the stand-in for the yeah for the walkthrough. So so Kurt Russell walks through the scene. Then, uh, I don't remember his name, but the actor who played Jerry in Heavyweights walks through the scene, and that dude's ripped now. Good uh, for him. And then they do, I think they did this, they, they run through the scene with nobody in it. Like, they run through the camera motion with nobody in it, so they have, like, background information. Aaron Schwartz. Aaron Schwartz, that's him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good old Aaron Schwartz. His of shame, course. right? What is it? Yeah, what definitely. Is, I've seen that. Aaron what Billy on the streets do? Looks nothing His shame. like. <laughs> um, Looks nothing like Jerry from no. Heavyweights. So yeah, that's how, that. I watch the special features, and that's how they they pull that kind of effect off. And you know, they don't build the whole movie around it. Luckily, yeah, they would wait for uh, they would wait for Captain Marvel to try to do a feat like that, de aging somebody through for basically for an entire, entire film, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did we think of Kurt Russell as Ego? I loved Kurt Russell as Ego. I think he's a highly underrated actor. Yeah. Underrated actor? Yeah. Okay. I think he was. Uh, I think he's an underrated villain. I think he's one of the early uh, shifts Marvel had towards more complex villains. Uh, he kind of. He's got a good. He's charming. He has a lot of. Uh, he's a lot. Of, he has a lot of humor. And you have a. You have moments where early on you kind of think like, wow, he is kind of like really a nice guy. Like you know, this is kind of like the perfect dad for Peter Quill because he's kind of a. He's kind of a weirdo, and. But he seems really, uh, seems really nice. But you can kind of tell something's going on there. And when he t- when he makes the turn, uh, it's a good turn. He's mm-hmm. he's a, he seems like a real dirtbag. Mm-hmm. And I think it uh, I think it's a good uh, overall good better villain, a big upgrade in terms of bad guy from Ronan in the first movie. Definitely better than Ronan, that's yeah. for sure. Clear I mean, motivation. Anybody could it's... be better than Ronan. Clear motivation. Is it a weird motivation? He wants to propagate himself across the universe. Yes, it's a weird Extremely it's a weird, weird motivation. But at the but same it's time, clear. he's a celestial being, so like, you know, you could you could make an argument for like a, a corrupt celestial wanting to take over the entire world like again. Yeah. Um, Spread his seed. He was fine. literally all over the universe. Uh, Whatever. Clear I, motivation. I, I will Good say that like Good effects. I will say that like of all of the like a of all the Marvel movies right now, mm-hmm. this was like sort of their foray into developing better villains. Yeah, and yeah, this is one of uh, one of the earlier ones where they've done that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably I don't know maybe maybe one of the first examples. I don't know what would a good example before this would be before, before this and Thanos. Yeah, well, you got so within like a string, you had this, you had uh, Vulture in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm-hmm. We talked about how much we liked him in the past. Uh, you had Killmonger in Black Panther, mm-hmm. and, um, and that, all those. I mean, Killmonger came out 
after. Yeah, it came out in 2018, so this would be down the line. But they really started focusing on their villains as more of antagonists as, as opposed to just these copycut, cookie-cutter characters that they could put in and have the bad guy beat and be done with. There's, a, there's, a, there's an emotional reason for him to be in this movie that connects directly with our hero. And uh, so it makes for a more rewarding uh, climax when he's defeated. I think it took too long to get to the climax or to the turn. It took it like I wrote down, it took an hour and a half with a fake conflict that I didn't care about. Overall, the course of the movie, the they were being chased by the gold people. I don't remember their names. I didn't care about that. The chosen? Did not, did not care about that pretend. The fake. sovereign? Yeah, that sounds right. I don't remember. The sovereign, that's not, yeah, you're right. The high priestess is what I, she's the one that I remember, Elizabeth Delbecki. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket stole some batteries. They chased after him. You you were led to believe that that was the main conflict, and I didn't care. Well, they then didn't you're not set that. To. I know, but it took too long. To, it, no, 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 no. To the it took to the too, no, story. No, no, no. That is no. Nope. That is literally Indiana nope. Jones stealing an idol that never nope. appears in the beginning of in the movie. No, nope. and then getting nope. out and having to go. You can and defend then it all you want. It took too long. I'm just telling. It, took it too, didn't take too long. It did. It took an hour and a half before any real conflict that cared about showed up. That's true at all. It is because I wrote it down and I looked at the timeline. I don't think that's true at all. There's well, at pretend what point conflict. in your timeline does ego show up? That's not when the conflict begins. That's when the conflict begins. No. Because Peter's having an internal conflict about whether or not he's going to go with him. Yawn. He separates from Rocket, Yawn. which is the actual conflict of the movie for Rocket, Yawn. is his friends abandon him. You're making me bored again. You're making me angry. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm Keep angry. going. <laughs> it's not like... It, I don't care. And Rocket then, is an annoying And then annoying Rocket's on his own adventure yeah. with Groot. Whoa. The Ravagers show up. Now... Now that now you know Boring. the Ravagers are going through a power struggle. Boring. Yondu is unseated by Nebula. <laughs> Love Yondu and in this movie. Face. Only like Yondu. Yondu is the best part about this movie. movie. Yondu is the only part about this movie that is consistently good from top to bottom. Yondu is great. Rocket's great. Mm. Uh, Baby Groot's fun. No. Nope. The escape, the jailbreak scene with Yondu and Rocket and Groot is one of the best scenes Marvel's filmed. That's uh, that's really one of the few scenes in this movie that I liked. Yeah. It's great. I love that part where where he knocks out the lights and his uh, arrow like goes through a bunch of guys and it's dark and the only thing that's being lit is the arrow. Yeah, that's really kick ass. Yondu's great. Fun there. Yeah. If it's got Yondu in it, it's good. He did kind of steal the show. Yeah, yes. Yondu, yeah, and it's and and see, surprisingly, it's he and Peter that have a surprising emotional connection that you didn't necessarily get a ton of in the first movie. You, you know what the key factor is in all of this that you're saying, Yondu. Yeah, Yondu is a, is a breakout <laughs> character in this, and it's be, it, it totally and it's builds the best part of the movie. towards his death. Which everything is, else is just average. Which is uh, great. Everything else is not necessarily average. Yeah, I think everything else. Average. I think, honestly, the last 42 minutes of this movie. 42? The last that's 42 almost minutes an hour and of this half, movie. By the way. Huh? Into this movie? That's almost an hour and a half. The last 42 minutes of this movie is some of the best stuff that Marvel's ever done. That's why I said the it took stu- an hour and a half for me to get interested. The last half of that movie, yeah. the last 42 the last, minutes, Yeah, great. the third act is really good, and then you yeah. can't have that without a really good build. You just defended had. what I said! You said that it was boring. The opening, yes. the first hour and a half is all the setup for a great third act. Took too long. Ugh, this guy wants to skip right to the finish. No, I want something interesting to keep my attention. Things were interesting. They weren't. It the was Ravagers a bunch of, it was a bunch of whiny people whining for oh, an hour and a half oh, until something happened. You don't like the way Indiana Jones kisses, and I remember that. <laughs> I don't. He gets got a problem with that he weirdo. Does. He does. Anyway. Oh yeah, all done. The movie's great. Let's talk about Gamora and Nebula for it's a not minute. Great. I was thinking about spaghetti again. 
Talk about who now? Let's talk about Gamora and Nebula for a minute because we didn't really talk about Gamora much last week. We lamented the fact that the female character is overlooked. She had a very prominent story, so did Nebula in this movie, where uh, they have Nebula trapped, Nebula escapes, she runs the Ravagers. She wants to kill Gamora so that then she can then kill Thanos. She wants to, Nebula wants to prove that she's the best, essentially, and kill Thanos. And throughout that, we get this weird reveal that, or not really not weird reveal, but we get this reveal that underlying this hatred that she has for Gamora is just this desire to have anybody, somebody, reach out to her and show her affection because her life has been, their life has been one of being pitted against each other by an abusive, toxic father who only praised one daughter and continually pitted them against each other, basically telling Nebula she's trash for her whole life, telling Gamora, you're great, you're awesome, you're the best. Both of them hate Thanos, but for very different reasons. And if during that time period, Gamora had shown any level of care for Nebula, there might have been a chance of saving Nebula from becoming such a monster, but didn't happen. It's an incredibly complex concept to introduce into a superhero movie. Yeah, I like the Nebula and Gamora kind of dynamic mm-hmm. that they have. Um I wish that more time was devoted to it than some of the other things we got to see because it is better, Um, especially knowing that Thanos is setting up to become the main villain of the franchise. Um, He is? Yeah, we've already we already did those movies, dude. <laughs> he didn't know he was thinking about spaghetti. He forgot oh, that yeah. whole damn series. Oh uh, yeah, like there's 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 enough in there. We could have had a, a Gamora and Nebula Thanos movie on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanos is whole seeing their break away. Maybe that's a spinoff. Well, I mean, we Gamora have Joker. Dead. Can we have Thanos? Gamora dead though. <laughs> Can we have a movie just about Thanos and his uprise? Not really. I mean, we had... Gamora dead. Gamora came back, though. <laughs> a different timeline, Gamora. Sure, but she's still alive. A, a different Gam- timeline, a Gamora. Gamora is alive, is all as But not the but Gamora. Not the Gamora that's developed. Yeah, not the developed like, Gamora. Like, basically, the Gamora we got is uh, a Gamora that hasn't done any of the stuff from the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Right. She's on... Remember, her she's first on order Square of business one. was to kick uh, Star-Lord in the gonads. No. Yeah. Okay. And then, she, <laughs> and then she peaced out during that deleted scene. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So I like what they do a lot. Uh, Nebula uh, Nebula is an interesting character that I feel like is almost good. I don't love... How do I... I don't... Oh, I don't love Karen Gillan's performance as Nebula. Hot take. <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't necessarily have anything to say about that. Can you explain? What do you think? It's just one-dimensional? Yeah. It's a little one-dimensional, and they didn't do... I don't think they do enough to show her... (sighs) She speaks like a human who's acting badly when she's... When her... I think what she's doing is speaking like an android. Right. So it does. It comes across as a weak performance to me. Yeah, you don't. If any, you, if it's possible, the performance is too good, is what you're saying. <laughs> in, it's too good in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. What we should be She's getting talking, is like so, Star Trek's Data speaks yeah. like a normal person. Right. Why does she talk like she, in a deep robotic? Well, she. It's she, like her voice isn't robotic, but her manner of speaking is. Yeah. 
she talks like somebody who's had you know all of her humanity stripped away but like still can talk like a normal person because she just kind of talks like i'm really upset about everything like she kind of talks like the female version of christian bale mm-hmm. i will kill thanos mm-hmm. and this, i think it lacks emotion yeah there's yeah. not much inflection well there's emotion but there's not really inflection because she's angry she's right angry but it's like that's all she is yeah it's like that's the only emotion she can she can express i that this again all of these storylines the parts that i like are where they're humanistic and so the part about this one that i enjoy the most is after nebula had jumped across however many jumps just to find gamora to try to blow her up in the ship and they fight in the cave and then nebula's like all i ever wanted was a sister and Mm -hmm. that moment between those two is really really good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everything else is just fine but those moments where they have those like come to Jesus realizations is where this movie shines the best, whether it's Nebula and Gamora or Yondu and Rocket or Yondu and Peter. Mm-hmm. And Yondu, Yondu, I'm going to say it over and over and over. You're really overselling Yondu a little no, bit. I mean, he's the best he's, part of this movie. No, you're absolutely right because he's the breakaway, and he has to break away for that final moment to really have an impact with that he has with Peter. Um, and for the moment where, that he has with Rocket. Rocket's whole struggle in this movie is a fear of abandonment, mm-hmm. right, that rocket's gonna let these these friends that he's made this family that he feels is going to leave him is going to treat him like trash and leave him the same way that the people who created him did and yondu i mean i it's it's not it's not necessarily like a a subtle thing yondu literally says you're me you know like i like yondu is an example of him from you know the ghost of his his christmas future you know i did terrible things and my friends left me and I'm not going to get redemption. So, like, if you don't fix this thing you have with your friends, you, I'm the future you're going to have, where you're going to be outcast by all your friends, and the only people who will be with you are other scumbags, and uh, you're going to die alone, essentially. And that's what Rocket doesn't want, but he's a, he, he's afraid it's going to happen, so he pushes people away intentionally, thinking it'll make things better. So when Yondu dies... It's easier to push away... Than it is be, for someone to reject. It's easier to break up with someone than to be broken up with. Yeah, you know, it's it's what it's it's that situation. And Yandu didn't necessarily want that. He did bad things and he got pushed away. Um, so when you have that final death, and gosh, the like I'm talking about those, these last moments of the movie where uh, the Ravagers show up to celebrate Yandu and to give him a proper funeral, it's emotionally very resonant because you have rocket who sees that it's not impossible to be redeemed essentially mm-hmm. and that your his friends and family won't necessarily abandon him no matter what he does and then uh as a tiny mini moment uh craglin played by sean gunn uh the pride that he has watching the ravager funeral is so amazing like i i, I almost cry at that moment every time i watch it um, because here's a guy who's stuck by Yondu through all the years as probably just as much a surrogate son to Yondu as Peter is and uh, gets to see him be rewarded essentially like he always believed he could. Uh, Sean Gunn, great little mini moment in this movie. But anyway, like I said, Yondu is the, the kind of the emotional center for some of these storylines. I met Michael Rooker. When this movie was coming out, maybe that's why I like Yondu. So I'm 100 percent certain that's why. 
And this movie kind of... I, asked, I got to ask him about it. I got, to, I got an interview with him. You and, can find that on uh, the YouTubes. Yeah. It's pretty and, great. And he's... This, and Yondu kind of is pure Yondu, Michael Rooker. <laughs> like, there's, there's, no, there's no performance necessarily going on there. Like, it's, uh, it's straight up him. What about Drax and Mantis? I got a lot to say about Mantis. I had a feeling you did. I quite enjoy the the dynamic between Drax and Mantis. That that is a part that is also very solid from top to bottom for me because of how they interact with each other. Yeah. Because Mantis is so emotionally stunted in a naive way, and Drax is emotionally stunted in a literal way, as they talked about last week. He doesn't understand like metaphors and things like that. So he's very literal and very to the point, and doesn't. Very blunt. He doesn't. Ha- he does, he's very blunt, yeah. and Mantis doesn't understand any of that, and so she just goes with it. And so the way they interact with each other is very funny mm-hmm. at all of the times, and I quite enjoy it. Yeah, Mantis is a very uh, is a very innocent character. She's character also the strongest character in the movie, as far as like physical power. Characters, you know, and she's kind of a she's kind of a victim of abuse, essentially. You know, yeah. she's been uh, she's been. Uh, treated like a slave essentially by ego her whole life and uh you really she and i think palm i don't know how to say her name so i'm really gonna apologize clementif clementoff perfect we'll never know. say it with confidence and we'll believe you uh she uh, she brings a good vulnerability to the role uh i'll say more about kimantis in a minute andrew thoughts Lasagna is yeah. good for me. Yeah, it's not. You though. reading that clerk's cookbook we got you or whatever it was? Yeah, movie cookbook. I actually am. I do like it. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> um, no the uh, the I the one thing that did surprise me about this movie was also that yeah. was the Drax Mantis um, relationship, and I love I love how she was introduced, and I love how they interacted. Eventually, I, at first, I thought Drax was acting like kind of an asshole to her. Yeah, well, that's just how he is. Yeah. That's, that's he doesn't he, even mean to yeah, do that. He doesn't mean to do that, and I know he doesn't mean to do that, but. After a while, you just kind of get the gist that, uh, oh, yeah, that's just how he is. And I I, I like that he's able to, ex- to in the end, he's able to just accept her. Not accept her, but just like, you know, they're able to understand each other mm-hmm. in in their own way. And I think that's very pretty between, between the both of them. Yeah, they have a very, uh, a very not necessarily father-daughter, but some sort of... Mm-hmm. Some sort of interesting relationship, yeah. Josh. I agree. That's why I brought them up. I enjoy. I mean, I can't really add anything that you three didn't. Those are the things that I like about mm-hmm. um, that. That's why I think they're fun to watch together. Is because of how differently they kind of see and perceive the world is very different. And it's fun. I want to bring up. We had a Reddit user submit this last week that uh, there's a lot of people don't really care for Mantis's per, uh, uh, portrayal in this movie. Not necessarily by the actress, but by uh, the writing of James Gunn, because the character is, uh, in name alone, Mantis from the comics. Like, Mantis from the comics is a widely different character by in every stretch. Um, Mantis is a character in the comics that is a, a human. She's half Korean, half, I think, just English or something. Um, she's also taken by aliens, raised to be like a super warrior, this is a character that's capable of beat. She apparently at one time it beats Thor and Vision in the same fight. She battles Thanos to a stalemate so much so that Thanos decides it's not even worth fighting her. This is a character that uh, was the first quote unquote Asian American to become an Avenger. So 
there's a lot of people that don't like that her portrayal in this movie is essentially a weak, fragile, for the most part, not that powerful character. Like, she has a lot of power in her, but essentially it would be like if Superman, they made a movie with Superman, but his only superpower was that he could still jump really high. Like, they take away all of her strength, her telekinesis. Like, basically, in the comics, uh, Mantis is capable of communicating telepathically with essentially anybody in the galaxy, provided that she's met them once. She can link up with anybody she wants to across the universe. And so they've really stripped her of everything that makes her, like, an incredible fighter and superhero from the comics and created a totally different character but just named it Mantis. Um, So there's a lot of people that have a problem with that. Does that seem like it would be a problem for you guys? Would you be, uh, would, if, if they, under a similar circumstance, where a character had the same name as a character you knew from a comic book or a book, but featured almost none of the character or and none of the abilities? Who's to say they won't? Like, one of the things that Marvel does is, man, I would argue that to the general masses, nobody knows who Mantis is. No, you're absolutely right. So who's to say they're not building her up? Maybe they, like... And just playing devil's advocate, let's say that in this story, they have intent on bringing her back. Like, I don't feel like James Gunn would create a character and, like, strip it naked of everything and, and, and create something new. I feel like there are essence of that. But if we go through this story, she's been stunted by mm-hmm. ego her entire life. Maybe she doesn't know at this moment all of that she's capable yeah. of. She's in the... Uh, Infinity the, War she's Infinity War in an endgame and mm-hmm. she gets stronger she will likely be a part of the third movie who's to say that she won't be continually getting stronger as she learns and develops more like you can't just throw everybody in their full power that gives them no growth and development yeah I That's think true. people can get frustrated with uh, an origin story when you're already very familiar with the story and the character mm-hmm. it's hard to watch Something – the origin story is not the best part of a hero usually. Yeah, you want to see them – well, yeah, but you want to see them in their peak. Right. That's what people want. So, yeah, if they are tr- building her up to be her um, peak self, then that has to come in time just like the rest of the Guardians are all in their origin stages. Even after two movies, yeah. two uh, of their franchise movies, they're still learning – to be a family together. Now, in a similar situation, I don't have like a specific example, but the general gist is there. I try to think of it two ways. Like I do understand the frustration with seeing a a character that you enjoy be something less than what you know them to be. Mm -hmm. But I think you also do have to be willing to accept that maybe there's a, more story to come and also that this is a different interpretation yeah of that work you can't you can't expect adaptations to always be exactly like the source material and like people look at have, guardians of the galaxy people as a have whole got Those to get over original. that no no and it's, and it's the same with any book adaptation to movie like they laughed out this well that yeah, yeah get over it because you can't put it <laughs> In two hours. Yeah, it, it's a situation where it doesn't take away it, Mantis not being what what anyone 
wants it to be doesn't take away from what that character is. No, no, no. It Don't is, let it. Essentially, it's a different character. Right. Like, yeah, like think of it a different up. character. It's a different if you character, want. but she has the same name. And it's it's a situation where when I first read it, I went, yeah. But the thing is, Drax is a guy who has like beaten up Thanos in the comics, and he's nowhere near that strong in the right. movies. You know, Star Lord's dad is not Ego in the comics. Star Lord's dad is a totally different guy and totally different type of story. And Ego is a totally different character. He's not a celestial in the comics. Like these things have been changed. And if anything, James Gunn may have done, had, may have made the most changes with his films in terms of of, of these types of movies. Uh, he's been given maybe the most creative control of any director to take take a, a take over a franchise for Marvel. There's a certain amount of you just kind of have to take what you're given and hope that it, it improves. If you're a fan of Mantis, maybe she'll get better. We'll, we'll see. I, I kind of have my doubts. I, she's not really the main focus of, right. of these franchises. No, she's not a core member of the group. But we really. saw how much he did with Groot, how much he, or not Groot, excuse me, how much he did with Rocket, how much he did with Peter Quill, how much he did with Gamora and Nebula in these last two movies, how much he did with Yondu. Maybe there's hope that a third movie, Mantis gets a little bit of shine, gets a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, they can uh, have this movie be set at any point, really. That they want, they could have a. These characters could have grown a lot from Guardians Volume Two or the end of Avengers Endgame to now. So, well, and I argue again. Overall, if you look at this movie, um, Mantis is the strongest character in this movie as far as physical power. She yeah. single-handedly is able to put an angry ego at full planet stage down long enough to distract them. Right. She's able to use her powers to overcome him. To where they can take over. Uh-huh. In Infinity War, she does the same, or Endgame, yeah. she does the same thing where she jumps on Thanos and is able to um, subdue, him. subdue him long enough for these people. It just, again, single-handedly is able to do this. Now, I will say that if people are frustrated because of, because of the fact that she's like the first Korean-Asian-focused character and they kind of like stripped her down especially after the controversy that Dr. Strange brought in, and they see this as another, like, why are you continuing to do this to the characters that represent this culture? Mm-hmm. That I understand. Yeah, That I definitely understand. There's definitely an element of that in this article here where uh, she's a, you know, she's a Korean-born American. She's the first Asian Avenger, essentially. I mean, she, she's, she gets alien powers, essentially, but this movie doesn't really present her as being Asian. No. She's, she's an alien who yep. is played by an Asian actress. Right. So I, I can kind of understand that there's some, there's uh, elements of this article where they talk about how she's sort of belittled and 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 made to look kind of uh, naive and uh, and I, I understand that to an extent but as again I feel like it serves the story that's being told whether or not that's the exact story you want to see told that's a different that that's a, that's that's its own conversation yeah. but on the merits of the movie as it stands I think that she serves an important role within the movie. So, oh yeah. Anyway, so I, sorry we went on a little long about Mantis there, no, but that was something right. that uh, right. that was something a Reddit user sent it to us last week, and uh, thought it might be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm always glad to see some people submit some stuff for us. Um, we do need to start wrapping up this end of the conversation, though. So I'll put out a, a all call for any last tidbits or anything else that wanted that you guys wanted to talk about before we kind of transition toward this the last part of the show how did howard the duck get in howard the duck oh yeah 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 great yeah. cameo towards yeah. the beginning of the movie yondu's at a space brothel yeah and uh howard the duck's there played by seth green making his return from the 
post credits of yeah. Guardians one. It, it and there was a lot of uh, I will say there was a lot of post credit scenes during this film as well. Yeah, there's four. There was four. That's yeah. too many. And a sneak peek. Yeah, and, I, and a, a surprise appearance by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. Always yeah. appreciate an appearance by Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum can can show up in any movie. Oh, I want to say I had the first time I watched this movie, I didn't like the soundtrack as much as the first one. But okay. I, I have actually grown to like this soundtrack a lot because I've I've listened to the songs on their own. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Cat Stevens or Mr. Blue Sky or uh, uh, Jay and the Americans that plays while uh, while Yondu's escaping, uh, and I actually really dig this soundtrack. I didn't necessarily dig it when I was watching because I was a lot less familiar with the songs, but it turned me on to some pretty cool. That Cat Stevens song at that moment mm, hits you right in the heart. It really oh, yeah. does. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. I I still don't think it's as good as the first soundtrack. No, nope. no, but no, it's no. good. But it is fine, and that is an example of where I feel like there was a little bit of trying too hardness in there. Yeah, the first one's really big hits, and the second one's kind of like deep cuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really is. I wanted to talk about. Um, I think that this movie is overall, with the exception of David, considered one of Marvel's weaker movies. Ooh, wrong, sir. I, Super wrong. I don't, I don't what do you base that on? Uh, many. Uh, this one, not you. No. Many uh, people's <laughs> conversations. Many yeah. a people who have said everybody's movies, saying everybody's yeah, saying is think, not as great. All your friends who think overall, Game of Thrones I feel so like awesome. when it came out, I just don't feel like people enjoyed it as much. I could be wrong. That was a few years ago, and I don't fully remember. I've I, seen many movies since then, but I, I think you're wrong. That could be. I do. That's very. It could be. In terms of the whole uh, MCU, yeah, I think weaker movies are Look, more along the lines of Iron Man sequels, concede, and no. I will concede that most people probably put Hulk. it towards the middle of the pack. I would. I don't think probably lower middle is where I would put it. But I do want to talk. I want to propose the argument of if they're looking, if Marvel was looking before they had all their controversy with James Gunn. Uh, their self-inflicted controversy, not Marvel's, but Disney's. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were looking to make these the next main focus and kind of drive away from the Avengers and move on to the Guardians, I would say there's an argument that this movie would be the Age of Ultron of this franchise, where a lot of people don't really consider Age of Ultron that good, but if you look at what it did, it set up so much for the future of the Avengers group and that franchise and the rest of the other franchise, and I feel like the the character building and mm-hmm. all of those issues that they have with each other and how they handle that and how they write that sets it up to really move forward a lot of story elements. And I feel like that could be something that we look it's back and go. It's almost like the second movie in a planned trilogy is treated like, like a, a three-act structure. <laughs> what, a, what an idea that people forget about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Wait for the story to finish. Yeah. I still think Age of Ultron is weak, but Age of Ultron is kind of it, it does have it does set up a lot. It is weak, but like we yeah, like we talked about when we did Age of Ultron, you can go back and watch that, listen to that episode. It does a lot to set up in terms of the story, and maybe that's not necessarily what you're looking for in a movie. But that's what you get, and that's a you know. But there is also some stuff to find. There's you know in in almost any movie, in almost every movie, there's something that I like. <laughs> Tried it. I was like, cool. I was like, I was making kind of a generalization there. In almost every Marvel movie, there's something that you can find to like. There's very few that are just like so. Do- there's very few that are just dog crap. Like it's like I don't necessarily love this movie, but I really like this part, or I really like this element. I like this idea, but you know. Anyway, 
Yeah, it's I good you some... you good you amended that because there are some other non-Marvel movies that are definitely dog crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like I, you know, there are definitely movies that are just bad. But yeah. I think that as as long as we're talking about the MCU as it is, you can find something to like in almost everything. My wife particularly uh, has found something to enjoy about Thor: The Dark World. We'll talk about that someday. I assume we will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So I yeah I want to talk about I have some other fun questions I want to ask in in the future. So are we done with yeah, I think with so. this with the plot driven? Okay. Sure. Well then let's go ahead and. Um, Let's get the your your numbers out of the way. Okay. So, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, debuted uh, May 5th. Whoa, table almost fell. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, audio listeners. Almost lost the table here. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, debuted the weekend of May 5th, 2017, so not that long ago. And it finished number one with a three-day opening total of $146.5 million, which is a really good opening weekend. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, a lot of also in the yeah. top ten that weekend. Let me open Nothing. This probably that mattered well a few things but nothing that was going to beat it uh fate of the furious was in its fourth mm-hmm, week mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that was number two that brought in 8.5 so i mean so that's a big thing if you look at the difference there between one and two it's a massive massive gap you have 146 million next highest eight <laughs> so guardians of the galaxy wow. had a large percentage of the of the market that we literally yeah. just took a shit on the competition yeah now fate of the furious like i said is in its fourth week it's next highest competitors in its sixth week that was boss baby oh my gosh oscar uh <laughs> did it win no oscar nominated boss, boss baby. baby which brought in 5.9 uh how to be a latin lover was in its second weekend. You guys remember this movie? movie? I remember vaguely. It, it brought in 5.1. Did you guys see this? This had Salma no, Hayek in no, it. I That's all I can it. say about it. Uh, Beauty and the Beast came in at number five. It was in its eighth weekend. Uh, that movie did really well. Yes, uh, it brought, did. brought in five million. Uh, the Circle with Emma, uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Emma, Emma Watson and, and Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Right. So that was uh, that actually it was is in its second weekend. Very watchable. Yeah, and, uh, but read 3. the book. 9. But read the book. Read the book first and then see the movie. That brought in 3.9. It'll make the movie better. Great book. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. I don't remember this movie at all, but it had a four-week domestic release. Uh, Bahubali 2. <laughs> what? Is that a... Bahubali 2, the conclusion, uh, produced by Great India Films. Okay. A, a Bollywood action film or just maybe regular okay. Bollywood film. <laughs> it's called Bali, Bahubali 2, the conclusion. I looked that up to make sure. Made $3.4 million. Wow. Uh, in its second weekend, and that's pretty good for a domestic movie, an Indian film. Uh, yeah. So, at number eight, I really like this film. It's called Gifted with Chris Evans. Oh, sure. I didn't watch that, but I yeah, and, it's on uh, my radar. It's a it made two million. It's a fun movie. It's not a big. It's not necessarily a big, big, huge film, but it's a it's a good uh, it's a good little movie for uh, Chris Evans and the little girl. And that's fantastic. All right, all right. She's really good. Um, and then coming in at number nine, Smurf the Smurfs the Lost Village. <laughs> Oh, no, made no, 1.8 no, in no, its no. fifth week. Now that might be the good Smurfs movie. I don't know. There's one that actually has good reviews. It's the really? this one's the one that's purely animated that doesn't have Neil Patrick oh. Harris or anything. Were the Smurfs ever good? Well, surely <laughs> the one with Neil Patrick Harris is the good one, right? I don't think so. Oh no! <laughs> Pretty sure the TV show was. Good. Yeah, the Smurfs TV show might oh, be the, the, the best element of the Smurfs. The this is the one that was a, a, just a totally animated film. No okay. live action component. They didn't go to the real, real world. I hate, hate movies that do that well, you, we're you cartoon characters and now we're in the real world you don't like the mix no the live action animated mix? no it has never once been good all right scooby-doo that's not good what Scooby-Doo's about great. space jam space jam is good but that's the real world going to the cartoons <laughs> that i did not expect and you're not wrong <laughs> that's totally okay different. 
I can't fight and that. And going in number 10 is Going in Style, which was in its fifth week and made $1.8 million. So we had three sequels in, in the top 10 that okay. weekend. Guardians, Fate, and Bahubali. Wow. Uh, Guardians Volume 2 went to go on to make $389 million over its 20-week run in the United States. It added $470 million overseas to bring its worldwide total to $863.7 million. At three eighty nine point eight domestic, that's the fourth highest grossing movie of twenty nineteen, and the seventeen er, in the United States. I'm sorry, yeah, in twenty seventeen, and then the uh, eighth highest worldwide. Number one in both those categories was Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, um, then you have Beauty yeah, and the Beast, that movie that I keep being told that no one likes. <laughs> and then um, also coming out that year was both uh, Wonder Woman, Thor, Ragnarok, and Spider Man: Homecoming. I Good year, both, but I had Good four. year. So a lot of superhero movies that year. All good uh, movies, You also too. had uh, Jumanji, Welcome to Jungle, uh, Despicable, Me 3, Despicable Me 3. Not good. Not good, but it's on there. Uh, it's the sixth highest grossing movie uh, for a movie released in May. Uh, Boring, but okay. And it's the tenth highest grossing movie uh, domestically for the MCU, there 11th worldwide. Wow. Um, compared to its first movie, it improved financially. As a total, the franchise has brought in $1.6 billion, just... The Guardians movies. So Guardians 2 made more than Guardians 1? Guardians 2 made more than Guardians 1, improved by about $42 million. Nice. Or $56 million, excuse me, it was 42 internationally. Sick. Um, so it improved at the box office, but did it improve at the critics' desk? That's the next thing to figure out. Did you win that too? Did I? I don't know. Who no, did? I think... Uh, I think, I think Andrew won Andrew last did. Week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. So Andrew he's not did. prepared. <laughs> Still thinking about spaghetti over there. <laughs> I am. What kind of spaghetti? <sighs> spaghetti with meatballs. Look don't up distract Look up the Rotten Tomato score. Don't listen to me. Yeah, don't listen to me. Spaghetti, spaghetti and meatballs like is like the only kind really to have, though. Man, I had spaghetti earlier today. I had some chili on top of I it. I thought you had chili. chili. I did. You put that chili on top of Cincinnati style. But then it's called spaghetti. This chili Do they put beans beans in your chili? Yeah. <laughs> the noodles are what's the spaghetti. It's just meat otherwise. I don't like beans. Yeah, that's chili. Nah. Yeah. You got to get it both. Cincinnati no. style, no, baby. No beans. You put First of all, we don't do anything Ohio-based. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Listen, put that spaghetti down, put that chili on top. I've put, never in my put life heard cheese said, on top of that, some onions, have... some hot sauce, and some Fritos on top. I have had... You're you going to change your life. I mean, Fritos I like a Frito... Of, on top of spaghetti noodles? Uh, yeah. No, no, no. What are you doing? Spaghetti, chili, cheese, onion, hot sauce... Fritos on top. That Mix sounds amazing. I'm yeah. telling you. Take out the noodles. No, that sounds like you're going to have to go to the bathroom. That does you sound like definitely that. definitely do. I like a good lie. Frito chili pie. That's good. That's good. I don't have noodles in it, though. I've had chili Just give it a shot. It's good. Noodles. You like you like meat sauce on your spaghetti? Um, you well, yeah, I like meat right. sauce on spaghetti. We're just All talking right. about food What's right now. All right, go ahead. What chili powder? It's good. All right. Did you got you got this? I got it. We vamped, so you go ahead now. All right, so. We get to guess now. What do, he, get, what do you guess? Uh, I guess 82. 75. Oh, shoot. I'm going to guess 81. Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> 82, 75, 81? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's action-packed plot, dazzling visuals, and irreverent humor add up to a sequel that's almost as fun if not, if not quite as thrillingly, thrillingly fresh as its predecessor, I'll keep my eighty-two. Eighty-two. Yeah. Mm. Eighty-five. Oh, 
shoot, we're going to be right on top of each other here. I'm going right to go with 80. Right on the money. I'm going to go with 80 even. Oh, 80 okay. even. One of you is very close. Well, we are all have to be very close, right? <laughs> you would think. You are all, yeah. Theoretically. The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, Tomato. <laughs> score. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the, the score is 84%. Oh 84%. So That's too high. Garrett's the closest, I think. Yeah. Yep. Gross. Garrett's closest by one. What was the audience? The audience score was 87. Oh, 87, right? there you go. All I right, totally cool. screwed up. I feel like those are both fa- hey, you, you know, think? <laughs> this, is a, this is a situation like last week where uh, it did go down in both categories, but mm-hmm. the audience and the critics are pretty uh, agreed on this. Last week, I believe it was like 90 and 92 or something like that. This week we have 84 and 87. So, like, this is a movie where audiences and critics agree. This is a, uh, well, they agree on what they think. They think it's either really good or not as good as the, the not as good as the first. But anyway, that's cool. Yeah, I want to make it clear. I enjoyed the movies, but like again, going didn't back to, seem like no, it. no. Going back to the first one, the first one did not hold up to my expectations no, of what true. I remember. And this I one, I didn't like as much as the first one, and it also fell hard upon my rewatch. Yeah, I just don't think these movies have the same kind of standing power. They're very good, but I just don't think that they have that same kind of See, thing enough, that I look for. Really enough, I feel like these two these two specifically might have the most staying power just because they're the least tied up in the Avengers stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, 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 the this movie specifically, Volume 2, has nothing to do with, like, Infinity Stones right. or Thanos, really, like, only in, like, name mention. And, like, like so, like, it's the most... Uh, out of the the overall arc mm-hmm. of the MCU that you can get, but the, but anyway, but the point, but like I said, well, I mean, like when when it comes to when it comes to that, when we're talking about staying power, it's it's like they're just making the movies just to, just to make it. They're not making something that's memorable. And I making totally it, disagree. They're, with they're the, making it purely for the fans. We t- and, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but like to make to make something that's in, that has impact like that. To have something that has impact and you're able to you're able to like rewatch it over and over again. I mean, to fans, that's great, but to people who are not really fans of the MCU, it's just like, eh, you know, you just kind of get that meh factor. I mean, there's what you're saying is not wrong, but I don't think that that Volume Two is necessarily lacking in some sort of depth that you can find. We talked about how much we like, uh, you know, specifically the third act of this movie, basically from the point where Rocket and Yandu get to ego. From then on, we all talk about how emotionally resonant it is, and there's a real uh, uh, story there that James Gunn has sort of capti- cultivated. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I feel like if you look at this one in a vacuum, if you want to look at the Marvel movies as a whole, there's an element of you know appe- appealing to fans and going for big spectacle, which is you know could be considered a bad thing, I suppose, but. You look at it, I think there's a real cinematic value to this movie because it takes that idea we've seen a bunch of times tried to be done in blockbuster movies, which is family. There's one specific franchise. It's all about family. And this film, I feel like, handles that in a more mature way at times than uh, most movies ever get around to to even addressing. I think this is... I think this one is... These two movies together are have a, an element of rewatchability uh that said if you rewatch them too much anything is going to get numb to you sure yeah uh so i i saw on twitter a, a while back 
people were talking about you know there's this big thing in in the film industry conversation right now about these kind of older generation classic filmmakers uh throwing some shade at marvel mm-hmm. films yeah and pe- i saw twitter people were throwing out their ideas of which marvel movies would you point to to show them they're wrong basically like mm-hmm. if martin scorsese says that um marvel movies aren't cinema which you- he's uh, elaborated on a little more since, what is since this that news? happened. I've never heard of it before. Why but like, do you which live in the nineteenth century? <laughs> but like, which Marvel movies would you say? I don't know. This one is different from the pack. Yeah. And Guardians Two is one of the ones I would put on my list of of an example of not a, not your typical popcorn summer blockbuster Marvel mm-hmm. film. There is depth to because it because. I will then to, to to build on what you said. Almost any movie, well, a lot of movies that uh, are that type of thing that Scorsese describes, cinema uh-huh. movies that sort of challenge you and have things that yes. you know uh, push you in different directions. Uh, you know, they might be kind of dull at times. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the yeah, yeah, they might be dull at times, and but by the end you go, oh my gosh, a lot of the greatest movies of all time are kind of boring. <laughs> They're kind of boring, and you get but you get to that ending, and you go, oh my gosh, it's so worth it. And that's what Garrett describes here is a movie that's boring in the middle. And sometimes they're movies that you <laughs> would never, <laughs> you may never watch that movie again, but you'll be you'll it will stay with you. You know, there's a there's a certain amount of <clears throat> equity you have to build up with an audience over the course of a movie, and then you reward that equity at the end. And uh, this movie, I feel like, does it. I think that I don't know. You know, we could have a conversation and a whole podcast about not 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 just the MCU, but the the current state of the blockbuster film and whether or not it qualifies as cinema. Whether or not you right. know what qualifies as cinema and what doesn't. It's a very complex conversation to have. And I uh, what an idea for a bonus episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Um, my fun thing I wanted to ask everybody. Was this episode is going to come out the day before Disney Plus releases oh, Disney's major streaming oh, service, snap. right? That's true. So I wanted to put everyone on the spot, kind of, and ask what are like I don't know two or three of the first things that you want to watch, whether it's one of the brand new series we've heard of, whether it's a classic Disney film that you haven't seen in ten years, or like one of the old Disney TV shows that has been unavailable forever. Just what are some of the things you are most excited to dive into on day one? Where is your gonna? Where are you gonna put that cursor first? I'm gonna say it first because it's gonna be a general consensus. Go ahead. The Mandalorian, correct? It's yeah. gonna be the one of the first things that I watch. Um, and then I, I honestly really enjoyed growing up the Gargoyles TV show. Uh, yeah. I had a Gargoyles like there was. I don't remember much about the game, but there was a game. It came with a VHS. And you played the game along with oh, the VHS. Oh, I had that. I had that. Yeah, and I don't and remember the movie itself. The game yeah. along with the, uh, the, the it was some made for TV movie yeah, version. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, I would like to watch those again to see if if they stand up. And then like some of the so a lot of the Pixar movies because as much as I love Pixar movies, I haven't seen all of them. So oh, yeah, yeah. go through some of the Pixar movies. Yeah, it's easy to get behind on Pixar's. Yeah, I'm gonna say because I've seen all. I, I mean, I. <laughs> seen all the MCU and I have it. I have it at my ready. Uh, yeah, anything in the MCU would be a, a, waste. a boring pick. Yeah. Mandalorian you said is good. I'm going to go with, uh, they're going to put a lot of old classic uh, cartoons on. So I'm going to say 
uh, the original DuckTales. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. Or uh, they're also putting on the original, uh, like, the 90s Spider-Man. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, my God. The really? 90s Spider-Man and the 90s X-Men. I'd be really interested yeah. to see how those hold up. Yeah. Um, 90s X-Men. Beyond that, oh, you know, beyond that, uh, I'm really interested in that uh, Jeff Goldblum's version of the world show or whatever. Oh, what is yeah. it? I don't remember the title exactly. Jeff Goldblum's world. Yeah. The world according to Goldblum. That's yeah. It, that yeah. looks like a lot of fun. Yep. I'm really looking forward to getting caught up with The Simpsons. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 So good, good answer. I want to. I've kind of been out of the Simpsons loop since probably ever. I really don't know when the last time I've actually watched a decent season, and I want to get caught up with it. So that's in my that's in my plans. What about you? John? Anything else? So what? you only named one thing. Did you, you want to watch else? the Simpsons? That I mean, you didn't know I mean, what else is going to be on Disney Plus. <laughs> A lot of stuff planned to go on there. Uh, Kick back and watch the Black Cauldron. There are you s- <laughs> escape from which mountain? There, there are <laughs> this smart a, house. The one with the <laughs> there's like a couple the of uh, there's a couple of uh, Pixar movies that I haven't seen yet, and I'd really like to watch. Yeah, like Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> which ones? Uh, Out of curiosity, have you not seen yet? I've not seen Monsters University. I've not seen oh, Brave. Okay. I'd like to see Brave. Oh, Brave's okay. All right. okay. Um, now Brave was better the second time I watched it. Okay. Because I expected a totally different film, and then I and so when I watched it the second time, it was a lot better. But I feel it. I interrupted you. No, I was just gonna say, what about you, Josh? <laughs> Technically not, but okay. Uh, that was all I was gonna do. I was gonna pitch to John. I thought you were gonna still oh talk. No, the, <laughs> the only thing I'm gonna say is, is everybody that, let everybody speak. <laughs> the, the only thing I'm gonna say is, is that like I feel like as soon as it opens up, I feel like I'm gonna be overwhelmed. With sure. how much option you're going to have. Here's my question for you. You paid for that yet? Negative. Yeah, so you, then you're not going to be overwhelmed. You can't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are Does you going to do it on day one? Probably not on day one. Yeah, you weaken. Are you? Hey, hey, hey. Try, but the thing I is, I was wanting to download the app for my yeah. Xbox, and it's not available. It's not. I don't think they're going to release that until I don't think one. the app is released till Tuesday. So that's my kind of annoyance there. Well, I but pre-ordered not, it, so I'm not screw all y'all. Yet. I need to do that. I pre-ordered it for a full year. <laughs> Right. And get, I'm just going to oh, steal yours. And you're so, just going to yeah. steal my password. The reason I don't have it yet is because I want to get the Hulu bundle. Could you do that? Oh No, you can't pre-order the Hulu bundle. So that's what I, that's why I was yeah. waiting because I want to get that Hulu bundle. That makes sense. Uh, that's a good deal. I already have Hulu and I don't want to pay for it. Or I don't want to – basically, they're giving you a chance to basically get Hulu for like half off. A little bit cheaper, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm looking <laughs> – Josh just smashed his computer. I have to make sure I didn't recording? stop. Okay, no, we're still recording. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Disney Plus originals I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Mandalorian got mentioned. The Star Wars. Um, there's one called uh, the Imagineering Story. Ooh, yes, That's yes, a docu series, yes. kind of about uh, how Disney World is run mm-hmm. and the makings of a theme park and all that. And it looks really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard good things about that. Actually, I have too. I'm excited to try that. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there is a um, kind of reality show hosted by Kristen Bell where she reunites. Uh, High school theater departments, That's like I, as, yeah, heard a decade that. plus later, and has them restage the musical that they did in high school. That sounds hilarious. It sounds weird and awkward and funny. And yes, awesome. it sounds all those things. And Kristen Bell's great, so yeah. Um, all the Marvel stuff, blah blah. blah. Um, there's also this Christmas movie with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. Oh yes, that oh, yeah, looks yeah, hilarious. Yeah. What's it called? Noel. Noel. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then. Like I, I said earlier when you guys were talking, there's a there's like a laundry list of Disney Channel original movies I want to revisit. Smart House. Um, um, just this, Smart House. That's no, it. just Smart House. No. <laughs> the I, I loved the Xenon movies yeah, when right, I was right. growing up. Uh, Never saw the Luck of the Irish. 
that one? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's the same that kid one. from Smart House. Is it uh, the same kid? Yeah, I don't think I knew, noticed bit. that when I was. Uh, a... Don't look under the bed. Is that what it's called? One with the boogeyman. Uh, that sounds possible. Uh, punks. Some other one. I have a list. Of I liked Alley Cat Strike a lot. Alley Cat Strike's a good one. It's got the kid from my cousin Skeeter in it. Yeah, it's got Robert Rashad. That's his name. And uh, also Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah, very young Kaylee. Oh wow. Um, let's Pre, see here. Uh, ten simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. Eighteen simple. Oh, the even how Stevens many, movie. How many rules is it? Eight simple rules. Eight simple rules. <laughs> Cheetah Girls. Eight. Oh, Cheetah Girls, Cheetah Sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cadet Kelly, remember that one? Oh boy, do I. Halloween Town and its sequel. Oh man, that's where uh, Harry Potter lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just see. Uh, Quince. They had the. Oh right, right, right. That's the same girl from Halloween Town. Why do you know all of the cross? I just remember <laughs> cross the mode of actors. They had like a. They had like when they would get like a young actor in these movies, they would like hold on to him and put him in future movies. Brink, remember Brink? Brink, Eric Van Dutton. Uh, Why are you the encyclopedia of Disney Channel original I movies? A lot of them, okay, man. so I, that's the Power Rangers. Is that's in that just movie. something. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all that stuff, and of course everything else. So we're um, approaching the end of the year rapidly. I don't. I think we're going to to not pick a movie. Correct. At the end of this episode, and yeah. you'll just have to be surprised with right. whatever we do next. Okay. Just hear because we got some. We have some surprises coming up, yeah. and some uh, general fun end of the year stuff as we approach. Um, some stuff. I don't want to say. Yeah. So that's that. Yep. So we'll be back next week with something. Yep. You'll just have to subscribe TV. to us online to find out. Uh, so many sequels.com will take you to our anchor page where you can see all the places you can find our show and subscribe at your favorite one. You can also download the Sounds Tooth app for free on the uh, Apple, what is it called? App Store? Apple Store. Yeah. The Apple Store. Apple App Store. Apple App Store or uh, Google Play. Google Play. And listen to our show as well as a bunch of other great locally produced podcasts here in Tulsa. Yep. And that's that. Um, so many sequels.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit. We're all yep. there. Until next time. Can you get this? Can you get the app on uh, my Zune? <laughs> uh, no. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. That's what you should. Oh, uh, I was thinking of that, but I wanted to throw it in. Poppins, y'all.